charging across in cover. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. Nothing will keep us together. We can beat them forever and ever. Oh, we can be heroes just for one day. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery, and it's good to have you with us for another instalment. And today, we are we're going topical, my very good friends, because this weekend, of course, not to date the program, of course, but this weekend, the Penrith Panthers are up against uh, Eastern Suburbs in the first week of the NRL Finals, and we thought there were no better time than to go back all the way to 2003 and look at probably the most famous match between those two clubs. Penrith 18, the Sydney Roosters 6 in front of 81,166 people at the Olympic Stadium on the 5th of October, 2003. Uh, a grand final, which I must say, I always thought was very good, but a grand final which, having reviewed it, I'm prepared to elevate to great. Gaz, any disagreement there? No, not at all. Uh, I, I mean, I suggested watching this, and I've always wanted to watch this. I knew it was good, but it was phenomenal. I had such a good time watching this. It was just enjoyable football two very, very good sides playing very good football in, in less than perfect conditions. And I, it was a treat. I just, uh, I don't know if it's uh, coming down off watching the, char- the Chargers and the Steelers and then the, the Super League, the Mariners might have uh, put us in a state where this is really uh, only by comparison looking this good. But whatever it was, I just had a wonderful time. It was wonderful football. Uh, thrilled that we watched this game. Yeah, likewise. I, I put it to you, my learned colleague, that and we've watched a lot of games from before our time and during our time and all of this, I think of all the games that we've watched to do this pod that we had seen before that I'd watched at the time, I think this is the one I enjoyed the most watching again, you know, like on the night and and was thrilled by it because I hated the roosters um, like Mm. everybody, I suppose who didn't follow them as particularly in this era. Um, And was, and this Penrith side had come from nowhere and they were really full of exciting players and all this. And I remember being thrilled that they'd won. I remember ringing the neighbour across the road who we didn't like and making the Penrith, like the panther noise down the phone at him like, on at least one occasion. But anyway, mm. um, which I yeah. think is... Yeah, that's actually, a, yeah. I you think still it's actually, do that sort of thing now, though. That's yeah, sort of like, I think it's actually... The police using, have been called on. <clears> yeah, <throat> using a carriage service, service to you know, menace or harass. Mm. Um, but mm. even as good as I thought it was when I was 11, it was even better watching it now. To appreciate the standard of the football, the intensity of it, the hardness of it was fantastic. Yeah, look, it really was. I really like that Penrith side. Um, it's Penrith's one of those teams that can catch you sometimes because they're not. They're you know, it's sort of like there's a couple of teams when they go well. Newcastle's one of them, and Penrith's one of them. When these sides that are just a little bit out of Sydney, um, you know, that are rugby league areas that. You know, they tend to be down the bottom of the table a few bit. I know Penrith have been good, okay, for a number of years at the moment, but they're sort of sides that are football areas and they get behind their team, but they, they're not always that good. And just now and then they make a bit of a run. And Penrith, you know, a few times in their history have had a few runs. They're in one at the moment. They had one around this time. They had one in the early 90s where it just comes together with a lot of local guys playing and they sort of 
stick it up a team like it was Canberra in the early 90s. It's the Roosters here. It might be the Roosters in Melbourne this year. They sort of stick it up a t- teams no one likes and they've got a lot of kids. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just something yeah. nice about it for some reason when they come through. There's always the footage out west and they're getting all these bloody, the, all the mountain men, the on Panthers into the footy show mics and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is, it's just nice and it was a really enjoyable team. It had a lot of really likable people in it with the Langs and this sort of things. A lot of the young Penrith guys, Preston Campbell and, and all these blokes. It, it, they're not a hard team to get behind. And sort of in our time, around that time, you, you came off the Broncos power era that we grew up on the Broncos in the late 90s. And then the Knights sort of come out of nowhere a little bit. And it's hard to judge how people viewed that because of how much we like the Knights. But then after that, you sort of flow back into a, a Roosters Bulldog sort of, paradigm so this is one of those it's one of those few years where probably the tigers maybe the knights again it's hard to judge how other people it's probably the knights the tigers in 05 and this one were the three years in about a 10-year stretch where it felt a bit magical like someone came through and and you know slayed the dragon yeah definitely um and this Penrith side there was just nothing to suggest that they were going to do this um i'll take you through a bit of their their history Mm. Uh, they finished mm. first. They've won the minor premiership in 2003 with 40 points. That is a stunningly good year. Uh, they beat Brisbane 28-18 in the first week of the finals and then in the prelim knocked off the Warriors, previous year's grand finalists, of course, 28-20. They had a really funny season. They lost three of their first four, um, which meant that by round four, they were in 13th place and everybody goes, oh, here we go again. Um, and the reason was that, of course, after... 1991 when they won the premiership and we talked a little bit about this in the Penrith v North's episode from 91 they'd only made the semis twice in all that time in 12 years they'd they'd made the semis of Super League in 1997 and then they came fifth in in the year 2000 and made the second week they had not been a successful team they finished last in 2001 they finished 12th in 2002 and four weeks into uh, 2003 their 13th and you're entitled to go, oh, well, this is just Penrith. They're not much good. Uh, but having lost three from four to start the season, out of nowhere, they then won eight in a row. Thanks very much. Then they lost another one. And then they won five in a row. Then they lost two. And then they won seven in a row to end the season. That's an incredible year after that slow start. Um, and it, it's remarkable, uh, as you say, because they just came out of nowhere. I remember the game very early. It was round three. They beat the Roosters 23-22. I remember Reese Wesser had a blinder. Uh, and it was, you know, when the, you know, like when the Roosters or Melbourne or someone lose now, and particularly in that era, when the Roosters or Canterbury lost to a side from the bottom half of the top, it was one of those real days. You really enjoyed watching it. And, you didn't, and even with five minutes to go, if they were in front, you didn't think they'd get there. It was one of those days where yeah. they got there. Um, yeah. And at the time, it seemed like a fluke kind of miracle. Roosters had an off day. But as, of course, the season went on, they, they, were, the, they were the real thing. Uh, the, I want to run you through, just to give you an idea of how good the Roosters were and how formidable they were. This is their record from 1996, right? Fourth, semi-finals. Fifth, preliminary final. Sixth, preliminary final. Fourth, semi-final. Second, grand final. Sixth, qualifying final. Fourth, uh, premiership. So that's ninety six to oh two. That's mm. how that's how consistently good they were and how regularly they were there. They finished second in two thousand and three on thirty eight points. They had a plus two hundred and thirty five points difference. Um, five out of six to start the season. Seven in a row from round seventeen to twenty four. 
uh, they had a, an outstanding year. Um, arguably, they were arguably stronger than the team that won the comp the year before. Um, they finished higher on the table. They were more consistent, uh, and, and they went better across the whole year. They beat the Knights thirty six eight in the first week of the semis, and then they knocked off the Bulldogs in the big game. The Bulldogs, of course, kicked out of the comp in 2002 for bombing the salary cap. They come back in 2003 thinking they this was their rightful title. And the Roosters are so good that they knocked them off in the prelim 28-18. Um, and they come into the grand final, despite the fact Penrith have had such a good year, despite the fact Penrith won the minor premiership, the Roosters are favourites coming into the game. They're still expected to win. Yeah, absolutely. They're a phenomenal side. And, of course, they, they're back in the grand final the next year so you know it's a yeah. continuation of a, of a of a big decade the brad fitler that all of what you've said there is from when brad fitler goes from penrith to, to the roosters of course yeah so, um you know penrith obviously had already started that their downswing and we've spoken about how what happened there and the tragedy there broke that team up but what fitler leaving didn't have the sort of animosity i don't think from penrith that a lot of similar situations would have a player that good left a club it would cause a lot of acrimony but it was such a awful situation there wasn't much of that and he goes to east and absolutely and that's probably another story here that they go on this wild upswing with sort of Penrith's young superstar and yeah. um, have this sort of decade and then Freddie's coming up against Penrith who haven't been back there or been anywhere near there um and, and you're right it did come out of nowhere and it seems obvious now because watching the game they're two phenomenal sides and they play so well and when you look through the actual 13 and um you know the, the Penrith have got some wonderful players in there but th- that's because they won this comp that's why we remember some of these players yeah. like that if they they, they they didn't do anything before then as a, as a team and if they don't win this and they sort of probably flounder around low on the table for a few more years we probably don't remember those guys with the <laughs> their level we do now you know what i mean it's um yeah, at yeah. the time this was just out of nowhere phil gould um said the year before that if they won the someone tipped him to win the someone said oh what about penrith win the comp or something after a few weeks of the season he said no nah, no nah, based on what i saw last year and being you know i'll strip nude if they win the comp and everything so i don't know if he carried through on that yeah i'd like to think that um, i think for everyone's sake i'd like to think that didn't happen i actually know a bloke yeah. who tipped them to win the comp after about three weeks before they'd gone on yeah. the winning streak, he just said, mate, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, but I've seen some Penrith, Penrith of the go this year. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember him I, saying, I, it's I, I would like, anyone who does that, I'd just like to see how many other bets they've had and what they yeah, yeah. I, was. I, think, I think if you're locking that in in week three when they've you know, lost three of their first four or whatever it is, I think there's just a question on what other bets you've placed. Like, I don't know if they even, took Brisbane to win the comp this year or like what was... What's a, there might yeah. be a case of even a broken clock's right twice a day. Yeah, yeah I think um, you're throwing some, throwing some darts, that's mm, all. Mm. I think he got on the Tigers fairly early on in 05 too, if memory serves, but... Um, yeah, it's it's a remarkable tip. Um, it, it's mm. still talked about in our household. And whenever I see him, I say, remember when you tipped Penrith to win the comp? He says, yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, the same the same <laughs> guy the same guy claims to have taught Andrew Johns the the Darren Albert move in a game <laughs> in a game of touch in a game of touch football. He says, really? no, 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 no. <laughs> he said, no, I was a dummy half, and I said, stay alive, Joey, stay alive, and went down the blind side and turned it back inside to Joey to score. Um, so you know. Uh, this is this this is you know I, case closed. Case closed. I've I've heard <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is quite similar to this year, isn't it? Um, not least, uh, can I say <clears throat> a vastly superior father son coach player combo 
in Martin and John Lang versus Nathan mm. and Ivan Cleary. I think, I just think, you know, those, those truly were the days. Um, I was very fond of the Langs. I'm sure you were as well. Yeah, yeah, of course I was. See, the Clearies, um, and, you know, uh, Nathan's really won, won me over this year. I was a bit of a doubter, and I'm, I'm not anymore. He's, he's wonderful. But, yeah, the Clearies are a bit pretty boy, you know what I mean? They're sort of both quite good-looking and, you know, um, well put together. Nathan's nice and muscular and, and all this sort of nice face yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Like the Langs, now, that's that's some footballers you can set your watch to. Yeah, that's right. Like, that, that's, that's a footballer's body like martin lang in particular that is a footballer's body john lang does have i i, I looked up because i knew john lang was a good player so i just had a look before we did this to see uh, you know how good he played for australia so very good um, and he, he and he played hooker and can i say i wasn't surprised doesn't he have the body of a battling like in oh, the yeah. mid 70s like a very slow hooker who would have got whacked a lot but really <laughs> stuck it in him like really just didn't go on hard yeah he just in the scrums and stuff yeah <laughs> And there are a few moments of, there are a few John Lang moments in this game, which we will talk about when we get into it, but he just always looked worried, didn't he? Hmm. He just always looked like he'd just been given bad news or something. Well, he was always stressed he, out. Yeah. yeah. And having coached Cronulla. Did coach Cronulla. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Quite. Yeah. <laughs> it's possibly explained. And also, yeah. can I say the other reason? And this side. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. also he had to watch his son play for 10 years and Martin Lang, who I mm. love no end. But I really have mm. to say, Gaz, Martin, if, how many games would Martin Lang have played if he played in the era of HIA? None. Um, one. Yeah. <laughs> He'd have been ruled out for life. Uh, look, I think that, well, there's a couple of things there. You're absolutely right. Coaching Cronulla in the 90s is not a path to, to good health. And coaching this side... Um, wasn't much better. They won a lot of games, thirty to twenty and stuff this year. Like it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was much good. But yeah, I had a similar note when, when you say he was concerned because he was watching his son. I made a note saying he obviously doesn't like much love his son because <laughs> if he had, to allow him to if, keep if, playing. Yeah, if he had any like any sort of like <laughs> liked, if he liked him at all, he'd not have let him do this. He, oh. um, I had some notes. Look, I think we'll take Martin Lang moments in the game as they come. Um, yes. But I did have a note on him in general. So if I can make that for you now, can, mm. can I put to you that Martin Lang, in the history of the game, no player has made a better career with less of the attributes that are desirable to be good at the sport. Uh, I put that to you. So what, what I mean by this is if we, if you know, um, video games out there, if you were playing FIFA or you're playing the NBA basketball, even the old NRL games, they give you these attributes. So yeah. that when you the old NRL game, you pick Craig Wing and he had a he was a hundred out of a hundred for tackle bust. And then you'd have like Darren Albert, ninety-nine out of a hundred for speed, game glitch should have been hundred. And they'd have like, mm. you know, you'd have some front rower and he'd be fifty out of a hundred for speed, but eighty out of a hundred for power. I think if you went through and mm. like tallied Martin Lang's stats, none of them would be in the zone for anything. Like he's not big, like for a front rower. He's got no pace, he's got no footwork. It, no. He's, Awfully slight, like he had no cleverness in his game whatsoever. He couldn't pass, um, and I, I just put. And I don't mean this as a knock. I, he is so fucking admirable. Nobody with less of the things you require <laughs> to be good at this level has been that good. Especially he has a position. real proper He's, impact. He has a proper oh, he does. impact on the game. He and is. He played a stack of origins. He filled in for Gordon Tallis one game in the back row as a lay in and made a big line break. Someone Jeez, fell that's, over. Geez, that's and like for like, isn't it? He yeah, was, yeah, he someone fell over player. and he made a line break. And he has a ripper. He has a ripper in this game. He really he he carts it up like a madman. He takes, I think he takes nine hit ups in his first stint. Uh, yeah. and they are but seven all, of them result in concussion. Yeah. 
Oh, never. Jesus, what about what about Adrian Morley just keeps oh. seeing him running dead straight and going, I'll have some of this. Martin Whack. Lang, it's the, I don't know if you noticed this, he gets some balls off offloads in this game where he gets it flat-footed and they throw an offload out the back. And when he gets it out the back, flat-footed, he looks both directions, then looks up, eyes someone and does exactly what he always does and just barrels at them. Because yeah. he gets Sturlo over the commentary going, oh, you've got to run between some shoulders here and all this stuff. Nah. And he goes, no, no, no. I'm running straight at the chest, baby. Straight at him. He just picks a guy and no yeah. matter who it is. Um, but he yeah, was look, mad. We'll save, a, we'll save a bit of him for the game because he'll come up. But I reckon. It, you're right in terms of the similarities because obviously there's the father-son coach, the inferior southern, uh, father-son coach at the moment, but there's also the minor premiership. So Penrith uh, to date have actually never won the minor premiership and not won the competition. They're two mm. from two. Um, and we're in the midst of that again. You know, it's a very similar season. They've lost one game this year. And, and um, so I suppose another minor premiership, you know, still not the favourites, you might say. People are still going, ah, no. nah, Melbourne or the Roosters will get them in the final sort of mm. thing. There's that thought that those teams will, will get them there. Um, father-son coaching and, and a lot of young young juniors in that game. It's obviously some guys we'll get to with your, your Roonies and Lewises and Waterhouse and Clinton and these guys. And and today, you know, the, this outstanding seasons are being had by, by Jer- your Jerome Luai, your Stephen Crichton's. Um, Brian Toor, uh, Liam yeah. Martin, and these sorts of guys, and, and kick out. It's a very, very there's, there's a, a, quite a stunning similarity to it, actually, and it's it's got the same nice feel about it. I can't wait to watch them play, and it's um, it, when I watched this game, it really did invoke how similar a lot of the stuff at the yeah. moment is. Yeah, that's mm. right. Should we get into it? Get into the game a little bit. Uh, I think we should. Yeah, have you got the teams for me? I do. I'll give you the teams. Uh, they're mm. they're very interesting sides, actually. The the Penrith mm. side. Uh, is as follows. The fullback, of course, is Reese Wessart. I, can I say, there are a lot of players in this Penrith side that I remember really fondly and really liked mm. at the time. Uh, mm. Fullback, Reese Wessart. Wings, Luke Lewis and Luke Rooney. Centres, Ryan Girdler and Paul the Fat Man, Fatawira. The Harms, mm. Preston Campbell and Craig Gower, who was the captain. Uh, of course, robbed of the Dally M by the players' mm. strike, which there's a big campaign on that about that at the moment. Um, the forwards... Well, that's another road. similarity. You yeah, yeah. Cleary, until today, Cleary was... Um, had six points docked that they're now going to let him have for being suspended. They've overturned their own decision, but he was going to be basically six points behind starting on neg six in the Dally M. So it could have ended up being the second Dally M dicking for the Panthers as well for their star halfback. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. The front row, Joel Clinton and Martin Lang, the hook at Luke Prittis. The second row, Joe Nullivar and Tony Puller, two of the hair bears. It was wonderful. Uh, God, good to see them again. And the lock, of course, Scott Sattler. The bench, Ben Ross, Trent Waterhouse, Shane Rodney and Luke Swain. Uh, the Roosters side, fullback Anthony Minicello, wings Todd Byrne and Chris Walker. Centres Ryan Cross and Shannon Hegarty, the halves. Craig Fittler and into the side, well, he's already in the side, but pushed to halfback, Craig Wing. Named at hooker, but starts at halfback. The front row, Jason Kalis and Ned Caddick. Michael Crocker off the bench into hooker. They did the same thing the week before against the Bulldogs. Second row, Adrian Morley and Craig Fitzgibbon, the lock, Luke Rigginson. The bench, Brett Finch, named at halfback, starts on the bench. Andrew Lomu, Chad Robinson, and the hitman, Chris Flannery, uh, coached, of course, by Ricky Stewart in his yeah. uh, in his second year, six final wins in a row. He'd never lost a final coming into this game. Uh, that yeah, in, Interesting sides, aren't they? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. So uh, I, I want to do some stuff with Penrith in a second, if you'll indulge me, but on the Roosters first. Um, it, it's funny. So what the Roosters were doing uh, was starting... 
keeping Finch off for 10 minutes and putting Crocker on. So for the first 10 minutes, so at ninth, the ninth and the 10th minute of both the final and this, uh, the preliminary final and this one, they bring Finch on. So they give themselves an extra big whacker to start mm. the game. And I just put to you that, isn't it good that Ricky Stewart really thinks about balance and moderation? So in a team that like having already run out there with Adrian Morley, um, supported by sort of Rickerson, yeah. Fitzgibbon and Jason Kalis. He's like, rather than having Brett Finch, our halfback and sort of main kicker and playmaker on, we have to have Michael Crocker. Like yep. I'm not saying that Michael Crocker is a wonderful player and, um, and uh, you know, not someone I'd run around into, but I sort of, I sort of think they had their bases covered for really, if they wanted to like, really whack Penrith, there's sort of a couple of guys there that were already going to do it. Um, yeah, that's right. Crocker, of course, it's, it's, I love the idea of looking at this yeah. side. You look yeah. at this team one through thirteen. You know, you know what it needs. Yeah. It needs more grunt. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's lacking in someone to put a shot on. Yeah. Um, Cro- Crocker helpfully gets like knocked out motherless in the first set. Yeah. So it sort of backfires fairly quickly. Um, and aside from that, I'll get on to Penrith in a sec. I just want to put on the record that I, I really liked Jason Kalis. I thought he was a great player. I thought he was better yeah, he was than his good. brother. I really liked him. He had mad hair and he was, you know, he was on the shampoo ads for Dandruff at the time, which I always thought was good. Um, and he, I just thought he was a really good, mean front rower. I, I always wanted him. He didn't do much when he came back from England, but he, let, he went a bit early to be well remembered. He sort of went to England pretty early in his career. Mm. Yeah, he didn't um, play much over here, did he? I'll, no, I'll, I'll no, he did, didn't. I'll dig that out, actually. I'll find out how many yeah. games he played in Australia. It wouldn't be many. He um, came back to the Tigers, which is always a path. It is, um, yeah. 110 games in Australia. Yeah, uh, yeah. 24 so for Para, 83 mm. for the Roosters, and then three for the Tigers in 2010. Yeah, yeah. That was probably wasn't the time to get on. Uh, no. Yeah, at that point. Can I, can I run you through? So with Penrith, now this is look, it's a bit of a tangent, if you'll indulge me. But I, having looked at their team and watched this game, it just occurred to me that there's a lot of players in this team that mm. I remember like weird things about that are memorable to me for the sort of oddities that sort of you, me and Andrew Voss are into, like just yeah, odd and sort of anyone, bits. sort of anyone who listens to this as well, I suppose. Yeah. 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 So I just, can I run you through, like, cause there's just a lot of them. Hit me. Um, so starting with Reese Wesser and just as a second side note to that, Reese Wesser scored 25 tries this season. Wild, we should have it? mentioned that. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's yeah, more <laughs> than Nathan Blacklock. Yeah. Well, Blacklock, I actually yeah. made a note on Nathan Blacklock. Nathan Blacklock only played 12 games in 2003. Yeah. Um, I think this was around the time he was just coming back from rugby. Mm. <clears throat> Would you like to have a guess how many tries he scored in 12 games, oh, Cassie? About, about 12. 14. Yeah, possibly would have taken Wesser, but yeah. 25 tries, not bad That's going, wild. is it? Um, uh, so, so for him, first of all, I'd say Reese Wesser scores the puddle try for South Sydney. At Perth, in, in Perth. Yeah, yeah in yeah. Perth. Um, for those who don't remember, so um, Chris Sando kicks in, in monsoonal conditions into the in goal and it just stops in a puddle. And Reese Wesser, Wonderful try. It and it's dead set floating in the puddle and Reese Wesser goes through and scores. So that's one. Um, Luke Lewis. So Luke Lewis, I just think, is an oddity because Luke Lewis wins a Clive Churchill medal a decade later as an extremely hard and sort of um, memorable all-time great second row forward, yeah. having shifted yeah. through the centres, the halves, the lock, and ended up playing in the back row. And I found it really unsettling. I mean, I obviously know he played on the wing, but it was unsettling yeah. to watch him, it was, especially because he wrong, got whacked a lot. He got hammered a few times. And he yeah, and he also Luke looked... Lewis's yeah, he, he looked quite quick as well, which bothered me. It all was all wrong. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, having having owned him when he was 33 in Supercoach, he went 90 metres on an intercept. I'm, I'm well behind his pace, but I'll never forget. But yeah, it just um, I just think it's it's just funny that their their great young hope on the wing ends up playing sort of secondary forward for the Churchill Medal a decade later. Yeah. Um, the other winger, Luke Rooney, is odd because he comes through, he scores two tries in the grand final, plays for Australia, but ends up at Toulon, like mm. sort of six years later and never comes back. And um, I followed his rugby union career. So he played, he played rugby union for eight years and played 55 games, which wow. is incredible. He's making a good dollar per game playing in France. He played yeah, not bad. France, came back to the Rebels, went back. He also, also the, one of the great stories about that is that he, when he went on a kangaroo tour after this, it might not have been after this year, but it was in the next couple of years. I, can, I looked it he, up. Um, yeah. Go on, tell me. Well, it was 2004. He, he yeah. went on the 2004 Tri-Nations yeah. tour, scored six tries yeah. in five games. Um, but was asked on 2UE, uh, the Kangaroo Tour players went on a trip to Prague mm. Uh, mm. and he was asked, what did you think of Prague? And he, sa- he said to 2UE, none of us liked it. There was nothing to do. There were hardly any, t- there were hardly any pubs and no tabs. I'd rather be in Penrith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that you knew where I was going with that because we yeah, haven't discussed I also, this. Because I also yeah. went there immediately when I thought of Luke Rooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so like, I think, that story's funny enough in itself, but also better that he ends up playing for Toulon within four yeah. years and make that comment. <laughs> so I don't want to live in France, uh, which, you know, I, I don't know how big they are, the TABs there. I spent, I've only been there for a couple of days. I didn't see any. I was obviously Yeah, looking. you never know that. Um, I thought there might be one near the catacombs. So there was a big line up there. It looks like that might be it. But yeah, yeah. no, it's good. That's a good one as well. Um, the centres, so Ryan Girdler, their house, I think we can all sort of say that their house on the footy show uh, is Wonderful one of the more segment. dementedly things that really good. holds up. I yep. always think um, of I always think of Brad Fittler when they yeah <laughs> me too stupid Brad Fittler when they said to him they, he says no no why don't we go down to the basement or go down to the cellar and they yeah. do the stupid walking thing down by, and then you just the camera just gets them both giggling on the ground and Freddie for some reason feels the need to bob his head back up and go <laughs> but it's not really a cellar. Yeah, it's fantastic that. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's one of the best pieces of comedy of the modern era. I think that's um, right. Uh, Fatawira is just memorable because he, in, within a three-year stretch, within three seasons, he wins a grand final for, for the Penrith Panthers and, of course, the West Tigers, mm. which is just an incredibly difficult thing to do. Just if you go over time and you want to win competitions, the, the path Being is not generally to play for Penrith and then the West Can Tigers. I, I'll yeah. give you a stat on Paul Fatawira. Yeah. Before 2003, at the start of the 2001, uh, 2003 season, he had played 21 games for three different mm. clubs okay, over wow. about five years. He'd played for Melbourne, the Warriors, and finally ended up at Penrith. He played 21 games at three clubs. And, by, and within three seasons, he's won two premierships. Yeah, How's he that? ended up having a really good career. He's a good yeah, player. yeah, he's a good player. Um, so... Preston Campbell. So Preston Campbell, I just have to bring up. So Preston Campbell, in, in a career of what you could argue are highlights. The man the was one a king. Out, I won't hear a bad yeah. word about Preston. No, yeah, no, no, not at king. all. Apart from the time he wrongly got the yeah, the Deli M. But uh, it, he, I just think if we're going to pick one moment to stand out, it has to be the fact that when he was at the Titans, famously, uh, the other team has the ball and he's playing fullback and they're attacking two metres out from the trunk. And the other team passes it and a Titans player touches it and it goes back to the attacking team. And Preston, in all of his glory, waves the six again signal to the referee <laughs> to let him know it should team. be six again against his own team. <laughs> And I've never forgotten it. It's one of the most brilliant pieces of footage because it just starts waving the signal <laughs> to tell the ref the other team should get another six tackles. 
admirable, admirable <laughs> sense of justice, isn't yeah, it? He's yeah, a, he's a wonderful player. Um, right, there is a lot of incident in this team, yeah. Yeah, so Craig Gower, I'm just going to underline, say no comment, I'm going to leave it for the end because it's going to take a while, so I'm going to leave Craig yep. Gower till the end of the game. Yeah. Um, Joel Clinton, the president, I think all, you know where I'm going with this, the boots and all bowl off. Boots and all bowl off, yeah. I think he won, bowl yeah. off final. Yeah. he won the final. He was at Did least he? in the final. He was in Is the final right? of the yeah. bowl off. I don't know if he won it, but he was in the final of the boots and all bowl off. Um, moving through again, there's obviously the hair bears. There's really not much to add there. Um, I just want to say it again. Hair bears. It's one of the best. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> you know, the Telegraph used to do the main yeah. game lift out on a Friday. Yeah. I can remember a front page with Tony Pultura and Joan Oliver on the front. Mm. And the headline was the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Which <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good oh, that's so good. Um, Joe Nellivar, I, I won't want to go into now. I say it's a really odd career that we will save for a uh, bring out your debt. Yeah, we <laughs> will. Odd things happen in his career, so we'll let him go. But they were wonderful. Um, unfortunately, there's no hair bears in the current Panthers. They do have Apisai Coruscant and Viliami Kikau both have really stupid dyed, like bleached hair for no reason, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's admirable. But if they wanted, it, I would like to see them to grow it into giant, giant afros. Like yeah, you got to. That's the way to be talking. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Right. Um, and I think Ben Ross had to be mentioned because of the broken oh, arm. Of course, yes, show. on the footy show. Um, yeah, for the worst incident in history and for getting the living shit punched out of him by, by Gordy. Oh. Yeah, in one of the most violent incidents of all time. That was um, that was a that, like, that was horrific. Yeah, I remember that. You go to jail now, Gordon Taylor. Oh, yeah. for doing that. No, like, they find a way to charge him criminally. Oh, he punches portholes um, in him. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, um, for no, no, you're right. no real uh, no real reason. There's a bit going on there. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, so, sorry for the, the side note, but it, not at all. Think it has to be done. Important yeah. side note. I, the, I think we have to get into the game, and we have to talk mm. about the <clears throat> before we get into the substance of the match because it's a great start to the game. But mm. it's really kicked off by the national anthem, which uh, I have to say is astonishing. Um, well, I was on <clears throat> YouTube, so I didn't get it. So I oh, be in. prepared. I need so to Rams, not do it on YouTube. The bloody um, they, on the NRL.com seems to get the anthem and they cut it off. Yeah, the well, I got the anthem and it's, I'm glad I did because uh, it was as a tribute to Slim Dusty, who had died <laughs> earlier that year. As a tribute to Slim, it was performed by Troy Cassadaly. No. Yes. So they. <laughs> so because. Because. So because Slim Dusty had died. They decided it was appropriate to haul out a Australian country singer to, to perform the anthem, but he was backed by a choir of women dressed in white. Wow! Oh, yeah, rounds. I don't know. I don't know what that was all about, but um, it was, was John Williamson not available. Troy Castelli in black, and then the yeah. the, the the anthem, mm. the, the choir behind him in white. It was extraordinary. Um, I really think that if you're going to do a tribute to Slim Dusty. Don't muck about with the anthem. Um, I love to have a beer with Duncan. I love to have a beer with Dunk is the only way to go. Um, yeah, I think that's about right. Or, or alternatively, Lights on the Hills are a real tune as well. But anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. I just thought you'd be interested to know that uh, the Trocaster oh, Daily. Interested. Yeah, I thought so. Well, yeah. I, again, I just asked, is John Williamson not available? Like, what, Well, what, John Williamson, like, what a wonderful idea. Could have done Waltzing Matilda. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, it's a bit um, rugby centric. It, isn't it? it is. Yeah, that's true. That's the trouble. He's a bit associated with the Wallabies. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, no kind of that. the kickoff to this game is wild. 
Um, mm. Just as a side note, wasn't it good to see Crazy John's uh, sponsoring the grand final on the halfway line? Crazy John, of course, has left us now, but uh, never mm. forgotten. Uh, it's never well, not forgotten. Not by me. I, uh, yeah. I think we're going to have to bring up the Manly sponsorship deal, which we haven't spoken that, about. Well, that's right. Seeing, so, seeing, on the cra- mm. seeing the Crazy John's yeah, logo yeah. on the field did immediately remind me uh, of Crazy John's mad plan to uh, sponsor Manly and name Brookvale Oval the Crazy John's Coliseum, which at the time and was... Have, really, yeah, John. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, at the time was really poo-pooed by the rugby league establishment, but now that Manly play at Lotto Land, I kind of think Crazy John had the last laugh. I think he, he was ahead of the curve. Because yeah, I, no, I think he'd rather play at the Crazy John Coliseum than play at Lotto Land. Well, it's no more stupid than anywhere at any other name. The Townsend one was named after the dentist or something, like 1-800-SMILES, like or whatever it was. Yeah, or yeah, Dan yeah. Smales. I'm not sure which it was named after, but yeah, one or the true. other. <laughs> the Dan Smales hotline. But, um, it, it, the, sorry yeah, about here are some and, things that rhyme with Smales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you've left out the other part of the Crazy John deal, which was that they tried. They didn't get this over the line, but Crazy John's wanted one player to have his name changed. Oh, that's right. Crazy John. And they wanted the commentators to then call that player Crazy John. So every week... Week, the idea was that one week Anthony Watmow would be referred to as crazy, which wouldn't have been a bad idea. Crazy yeah. John, and and going crazy. John's got the ball, passes it back inside to Brett Stewart, and the next week Brett Stewart would be crazy. John, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's very confusing um, and difficult to follow up. And they did this. Rabs the, wouldn't have handled that. They did this in the AFL with Gary Hocking, who for one game when he played for Geelong was renamed Whiskers after the cat. After the cat food brand, good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. commentators referred to him exclusively as Whiskers, which is good. It's admirable kind of brand loyalty. Because I think he changed yeah. his name by Deep Pole. Um, yeah. I don't know if you would have had to do that for the Crazy John sponsorship, but anyway, there was talk of that. Yeah, yeah, was there? Yeah, good. Um, anyway, the, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, we had to talk about it. It was just good to see it again. The kickoff, yeah. the kickoff goes down to great excitement from the eighty thousand present. The Penrith fans think this is our moment. And what happens? Craig Gower gets the fumbles in the end goal. Mm. And when he finally picks the ball up and gives it to Tony Pulatua, he's very, very nearly slammed into the end goal. He's nearly trapped and only just grounds the ball in the field of play, off the kickoff in the grand final. Um, has there ever been a line dropout in a grand final? I don't think so. Uh, the closest analogy would be Martin Bella, uh, yeah, 1994, yeah. spilling his lollies off the kickoff. But uh, that first set is as brutal a defensive effort as you could possibly hope to see in a grand final. The Roosters come up and bash the Penrith uh, players every tackle of that first set. You've got Morley and Crocker and all of them just flying up. Whack, have that mm. over and over. Um, and it's pretty much like that for the first 20 minutes of the game. You forget this. People... You know, people who talk about the Roosters and think about the Roosters side now, and this is something which is different from two from uh, 2003. This Roosters side that's won two comps and is a chance of winning another, um, they're very pretty. And yeah, they're tough and all this, but they've got a lot of spark and attack and all of this. This Roosters side from the early 2000s wasn't like that. They were a brutal, tough, hard, gritty nasty side weren't they led around by adrian morley and kalis they had a lot of real tough battlers like craig fitzgibbon and rickardson who got up and rickardson. made hard tackles that they were uh they were a nasty outfit crocker mm. crocker yeah 
Crocker's one of the hardest blokes of the last sort of 20 years. He, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's hard as nails. Yeah, and he, he's not the hardest bloke in the team. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. They, were, this is, they throw it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a shot in the first set where Ricketts and Kalis and Morley just hammer, hammer Martin Lane, like the yeah. three of them together, like just in one yeah. tackle and they yeah. swarm. That, yeah, they were, they won games and yeah, they blew some scores out because they had some good players and everything, but they won a lot of games by belting the living hell out of players and Fitler just timed his run, timed his run and would peg you in the last 20 minutes where they just have beaten you into submission. They just beat you and beat you. And, they would often run over teams late because they just hammered them. Like to just force them to play a level of football and to play uncomfortably and to play sore and hurt and, and all this sort of stuff. And then Fitler would sort of come over the back of you in the last 20 minutes and start stepping and running and that sort of thing. And they very much try this, this game. And, and, and there's a time where 20 to go where it probably looks like it's working yeah. um, and it doesn't quite, but that, that's, there's a time there where it looks like that's going to script, doesn't it? Where they just do this for long enough that it starts to get the wobbles on in the second half for a little bit for Penrith and they come good. But that, this is how they did it. They just used to beat you into submission. Yeah, geez, um, it's hard. There's, it's a, hit men it's, out there. there's a couple of phases in the game where they really, um, mm. where they really turn it all the way up to eleven and just come flying yeah. out, and whacking people. And the, the first, the first few minutes are like that. As you said at the top, Michael Crocker knocks himself out cold very early on, yeah. um, and there's no HIA rule. He just continues to play. And then a couple of tackles later, when he's finally come to or half come to, comes flying up out of the line and launches this mad shoulder charge. Um, it's it's incredibly brutal um, mm. to start. Penrith, the, the first 20, I mean, Penrith make a few half breaks and they try and get the ball wide a little bit, but it really is just this pattern of hard shots um, and really tough carries by Penrith. They did really well. And one of the biggest things in, in them winning the game is that they do survive this. They, they, don't, yeah. they, they don't punch too many holes and they don't create too much, but they don't get flattened by it. But they keep aiming no. up and their guys keep running. Martin Lang knows he's going to get his head caved and just keeps carting it up. And um, mm. they do so that they get through this where not many sides sort of ever would have withstood this kind of punishment. No, that's a large part of where they won the game. They just keep coming. Um, some of the scent, like Girdler keeps coming in at a dummy half and taking tough carries. Rooney comes in, like coming in at a dummy half and take really suicidal sort of carries, but take them quite strongly. Wesser comes in and the forwards keep going. And they just, as you say, they just get through it fairly unscathed. They get sore and they get hit, but they don't concede any points. And they don't really look like conceding any points. And they're not getting any holes punched back in them. Um, they're not hitting them as hard as they used to hitting them, but they're just not going away and just sticking to what they're doing, knowing that you, you're going to get a chance over a game of football. It, yeah, we probably should have mentioned that it's a wet night, so it's, yeah. it's wet. Um, you know, it's, it's you don't not get many wet grand the, finals, do you? We, I can't, you can, I can't no, think of many. Mm. No, and, you know, it's Penrith were an expensive side, so they've come into this game and probably wanted to play an expensive side of football, playing against an aggressive, horribly mean pack. So it's not, it's not ideal circumstances. This is not the weather or the time. It's not the time of day or the weather you would have given if you were going for Penrith and wanted to give them the best shot. Yeah, with um, Reese so Wesser really, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Preston and Girdler and all yeah, these exactly guys. Exactly right, yeah. yeah. So they do a fantastic job to stay in it. Um, I think just about the game, I, I think one thing I noticed was this is really in our era. Like you and I were watching every game at this time. You know, we're in that era yeah. where we remember a lot. We're watching all these games. And to me, I never think of the game as having changed all that much. Like when I watch what I'm watching now, I don't think of it as different to what I watched then. And, and sometimes you need that space from the game to go back and watch one that's 
back smack bang in our era. And I know we watched like the Tigers grand final, but they were so weird them and the Cowboys. It's not a good reflection of what football was like. like but watching this game, watching East go, this game has changed so much. The level of violence and, and the level, the, the, the contact in this game is not allowed now. No. Um, I don't say that it should be because there's, like, if you watch this game, this is why it's outlawed. Um, <laughs> there is Michael Crocker gets concussed horribly twice. Um, Martin Lang gets concussed four times and is convulsing at least twice. Um, Swain, I think it is. Oh, is the Swain thing is terrible. Yeah, we'll get to that. It's awful. Trying to get up. Yeah, and there's, there's, I'm missing someone as well. There's, there's about four or five people concussed. No, and they're concussed Crocker, gets, because, Crocker gets concussed yeah. charging down a field twice. goal later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So he's twice, Swain's once, Lang's probably four times. And there is someone else like that gets the wobbly boot on, I think, as well. And a lot of them are from various things like the shoulder charge then there's the swinging arms coming over the top and then there's like crocker goes in for contact on a kick that you wouldn't see someone try and charge one down like that now because what happens now is players know when they're going to run into those awful contacts and they do avoid it uh, mm. rightfully and he no one would have made the charge down he made because you don't put yourself where that foot and that ball is you don't see it much now the, the, the runs they don't tackle with that swinging arm they don't shoulder charge yet people don't line guys up like martin lang did and run straight at them they run and <laughs> they put side steps on and they do things and it, it's just i think before as we go on in the game this i just want to make you, this is brutal like if, if you guys you guys listening go back and watch this you'll be surprised how brutal this is compared to now because we think as brutal as the 80s this was yep. brutal it's oh, yeah. brutal it's and violent and it's so different to what they play at now and i just didn't realize till i watched it we went wow guys aren't getting you know because we just don't have five guys getting concussed a game now because the game's sanitized to the point no, where it's not, a bit it's less just, likely. It happen like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. Um, it's, it, it's savage. It's absolutely savage. Uh, and Bill Harrigan, uh, in his seventh grand final in a row, uh, demonstrates his longstanding ability to read the room by uh, penalising Todd Byrne for throwing the ball away uh, after dropping it. Um, now, very hard game, people flying in, making tough carries, making tough runs, all of the tough tackles, all of this. Uh, and the first penalty of the game is for, uh, for picking the ball up and just rolling it away from the other team after you've called a knock-on. Seven too many, pedantic. Bill. Seven too many. Pedantic rubbish, that was. He didn't throw it a long way either. He threw it five metres. Well, it's, uh, no, you're throwing it away, you're throwing it away. Shut the fuck up, Bill. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, that's as simple um, as it is. There's, I also a, there's another one. Can I get on him? Can I, there's another one. Yeah, yeah go on. It really bothered me five minutes later. I think this is a stinking penalty. Gower gets tackled and he goes, dominant, dominant. And the guy falls off him. So no one's touching Craig Gower. Like no one's touching mm. Craig Gower. The guy falls off the tackle. He's held him on the ground. The, the defender rolls off and he goes, dominant, dominant. So Craig Gower gets up to play the ball and the marker hasn't got on side and the marker puts his foot into the play the ball so that when Gower goes to play it, the marker boots it forward and he goes, no, nope, no, nope, it's a knock on, knock on. And Gower goes, the marker's booted the way. He goes, yep, but I called dominant. Can't just get up. And he goes, Gower just put his arm down. And goes, no one was touching me. I said, yeah. no one touched me. He goes, can't get up as soon as you like. Can't get up. He's entitled to get him to. What rule of rugby league is there that when oh, you're that's tackled, what he's, he doesn't, you stand up. One. There's another it's one. It's a shocker. It, the marker just kicks the ball out. There's a shocking goes, play the ball oh. later on. There's a terrible yeah. play the ball a few minutes later. Like, cause I remember, um, yeah. And it's like just a knock on. Like he just fumbles it, dumbles yeah. it, needs to strike at it three yeah. times to get it to go backwards. And you hear Harrigan on the ref mic just go, yep, I'll let you get away with that one. It's like, just yeah. apply the rules, Bill. It's not about you. Just the yeah. rules are there. Just apply them. Um, 
I really was, I was very endeared to Sterlo mm. after, um, after one of those, I think it might be that decision you're talking about mm. where he just says, Oh, I hate referees calling dominant. We've always had dominant tackles in our game. God, I love yeah, it when Sterlo says our game. Yeah, he started that. Everyone does it now. And it started with him. He was the first, yeah, just I think. constantly yeah. saying our game. What about the shot yeah. from Morley on Craig Gower in the 19th minute? Um, mm. Yeah. Can mm, I say... I don't know about that. Unkeen. Really unkeen. Uh, yeah, Morley, I, I said to you last week that when I was watching Gordon Tallis, I remembered how good he was. But even though I remembered in my brain, seeing it reinforced that he was even better than I remembered he was. Yeah. Like, I remembered him accurately, but it's not enough. You have to see it. Uh, I, Morley's the same thing. I remember how good he was, but then I watched it and I went, oh, no, no, no. He, he was really, really, really good. Like, yeah. I, I'm watching him. I've gone, um, you know, uh, for anyone who's a bit younger, think about when Sam Burgess was at, like, his brutal, thuggish sort of best in the middle when he was, you think that, yeah. but, like, more violent. Like, just, he was that wonderful enforcing sort of forward terrifying enforcing forward wasn't he just a yeah, wonderful he was. player he's no, scary he, as all hell he's oh he, he he hit like nothing else on earth he's one of the um yeah he's one of the hardest most kind of enforcing forwards i've seen in my time i must say adrian you morley know, he's um, fantastic speaking of adrian morley one of the best gambits about englishmen coming out is the constant talking to comparing to other englishmen for no reason yeah. like um so, you know, like now, for example, everyone that comes out is going to be compared to Sam Burgess and, you know, everyone was compared to, and like when he came out, he was compared to Adrian Morley. And, but when we were young, no matter who came out here at any point, they were always <laughs> compared to Malcolm Reilly if they played yeah. the boards, which, which happens in this game. It's so a much better era. 70s too, to now, yeah, yeah. Like anyone from the 70s to about Adrian Morley, the, the constant comparison was say could be the best since Malcolm Reilly. Um, <laughs> and, and, comparison, well, and I think Rabs goes, well, Malcolm Reilly was the best but this bloke's pretty good. And uh, it's a shame we're out of that era because what happened for the next 10 years was everyone was compared to Adrian Morley. Like, your Gareth Ellis would be the next Adrian Morley, blah, 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 blah. And we're sort of, I think we're probably moving into the Burgess era now where everyone yeah. for the next 20 or so years could be the next Sam Burgess. No, um, never but used to be this way, guys. Days. Back in the good yeah. old days, yeah. not really all bust. Um, yeah, that's it. A couple of things that I didn't remember, but I'm very glad to be reminded of, uh, Scotty Sattler taking dropouts, like goal line dropouts. That was a thrill. Uh, and also goalpost mm. cam, crossbar cam. Now, yeah. terribly grainy footage on a bad angle. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah, it didn't last long. It's hard to see why. When they, they showed two replays of an incident in that game, and then they showed the replay on the crossbar cam, and it was just this wobbly. It looked like one of those cams you get on the Sydney to Hobart. You know, yeah. the camera on the mask and all you see is wobbling and a lot of ocean spit on the screen. And you go, oh, there seems to be some wobbly ocean with a lot of, uh, you know, um, dew yeah, on the land. I don't know where they are. Like they're, out, they're out there somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see anything much clear. They're it definitely exactly still in like the that. ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it looked like. We went, yep, so I saw the two good angles and now I'm getting to see it in fuzzy wobble thing where yep. some of the players occasionally move on and off the camera. Um, no, that that was good. I, it's 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 hard to imagine why it didn't last. And also, John Lang absolutely raging uh, about something, and the commentator suggests it's because the ball boy hadn't provided the ball. But he yeah. absolutely blows a gasket. Not my player's job, yeah, to the ball yeah. boy. Um, yeah, I had a note on this because what I wrote was that so he, he's he's typically he seems to have roasted the ball boy, saying it's not my player's job to get the ball, like get on it, and. Um, 
I think it's the sort of thing that if it happened today, there'd have to be an apology. I remember a few years ago, Parramatta got in trouble because remember that when you were allowed to take quick 4020s and they lost a game where they were trying to, they kicked a 4020 and they were running to get the ball to tap it at the end of the game and the ball boy didn't put it on the field and the game ended, uh. wasn't it? And there was the ball boy got in a, like, a lot of trouble and Parramatta had to be seen to do the right thing and say, oh no, we're all rallying around him when they really just would have wanted to kill him. And yeah. my sort of note was, is that I'm glad that this was allowed to pass in this sort of era because I just think certain people that sure. rugby league fans don't care about and it's referees, there's touch judges. And I think ball boys is on the list. I think you're the ball boy, you're asking for a spray from someone. Like, you yeah, know what sure. I mean? Like, it's, you be I, I don't think anyone feels boy. sorry for a 12 year old just because John Lang, um, sort of like high level rugby league coach and former test player is giving you a baking. Well, I think I'm pleased be, that there was an error where that was okay. I yeah. think you should be honoured to cop a bake from John Lang. I think most people yeah, would be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But he really does blow right up, doesn't he? No, it was, it was, no it, that rugby league fans, we don't care about... no one. None of us care about the feelings of referees, touch judge, ball boys or wingers. A fair game. There was a wild incident in English soccer about 10 years ago uh, where Eden Hazard, uh, in a very high-profile League Cup semi-final against Swansea, um, tried to get the ball back off the ball boy. And the ball boy was about 18. He was like, mm. because it was Swansea home game, they had... Um, they'd stacked the ball boys with all these like teenagers and, and the ball, the ball went off the field. There were about two minutes to go, Chelsea behind in the game and the ball bloke, who was about 18, just like laid on the ball and wrapped his body around it and wouldn't give it back. And, and Hazard comes over and tries to get the ball off him and ended up kicking the ball out <laughs> through his body. It was incredible. And it was the biggest storm in the world for about three days in the UK. Um, people calling for him to be like life banned and all this kind of thing. Um, so there is, you know, you've got to be careful with the ball boys because yeah, it's in out of hand. Now, uh, the first try of the game is finally scored in the 31st minute uh, and it is set up by uh, a man who really uh, has about as good a game as it's possible to have in a grand final, uh, Luke Prittis. This is the first of the three tries that he sets up in this game. He sets up, oh, sorry, he sets up two and scores one. Um, mm -hmm. He's responsible for all of them. On this occasion, he runs at Jason Kalis, who's offside at marker. Well, he's kind of between marker and the, and the, the 10. Uh, he runs at him from his own 40, breaks through the line, draws Minicello, finds uh, Luke Rooney. And having already threatened a few times, Luke Prittis, he finally cracks them open. Girdler kicks the goal. Penrith leads 6-0. Having withstood the barrage and withstood all the abuse from the Roosters, they're the ones who score the first points. Yeah, they, 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 they copped a real barrage for a lot of that. And then bang, sort of, you get your chance. And that's just a beautiful piece of grand final play. It's a wonderful try. It's just a beautiful hooker's try. It's like, like a dummy half hook, play, Hooker play, isn't it? it? Yeah. Getting out of dummy half, going through, draw the fullback and pass to the winger. It's very exciting when that sort of thing happens. A big break from the hooker up the middle. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of them. And they're, yeah, beautiful. It has a fantastic game. It's a beautiful but piece of play. Luke Rooney, young winger. Scoring, like, you know, he's only a young kid. Yeah, wonderful local, sort of moment for Penrith, yeah. Local junior and all of that. Mm. Um, yep. Can I say, though, it could have been very different because a few minutes before this, he throws a wild cutout pass about 30 out to Ryan Cross. Ryan Cross is home and dry. There's nobody near him. And then all of a sudden, mm. uh, Frank Pulitua, who was nearly as I could tell... Tony. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Frank Pulitua. No, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see, time to see Frank Pulitua make this tackle. Tony yeah. Pulitua is kind of, I think, I think he was just bludging behind the line. 
Yeah, so do and, I. And he just got, he's just he's just kind of having a having a spell being on the line. And all of a sudden, Ryan Cross is coming at him, and he gets across and drags him down. The first, you know, he was Scott Sattler before Scott Sattler. Um, yeah, he was Scott Sattler if Scott Sattler was having a rest twenty meters behind the, the line when the break yeah, yeah. was made, rather than chasing him down. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a good time to have a bludge. Um, if 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 Luke Prittis had thrown an intercept to Ryan Cross to score to break the deadlock mm. in the grand final, who knows what the game would have looked like. Mm. Um, but as it, as it is, uh, it's a beautiful try. Um, then five minutes before half time, there is great drama because Craig Gower gets poked in the eye, mm. and uh, he, as nearly as I can tell, can't see very well. Uh, and by the end of the game, his eye is the size of a grapefruit. Um, a couple of things: what, why on earth, like how tough do you have to be to stay on? That must have hurt like a mongrel. Um, and how does he complete the game? Mm, at halfback, yeah, halfback, just steering yeah. his team around. Oh, he's he's as tough as nails. Again, I was going to save for him for the end, and I still will. But I watched a game in the middle of his career when he was at his peak, uh, where he got knocked entirely unconscious, got carried off stumbling, and came on ten minutes later against the Broncos and scored two solo tries to win the game, like yeah. running tries where he would, you know, he had that running style. We saw it a bit this game where he dummies and then just fucking goes hard into the line and he did it and scored these tries like just knocked motherless and you just looked at him he's one of the tougher halfbacks sort of mm. ever and he, he he had a knee problem i think going in that was affecting his kicking i think they said as well and then he's he, he copped it that that was yeah he, he couldn't see out of one of his eyes and he's trying to steer the team around at halfback throwing yep. the ball around the field he keeps running into the line tackling it's yeah it's a phenomenal effort he, he was a hard hard player Really you think, was. yeah, I think they thought he was going to come off. There's footage that they go to the sideline mm. and John Lang, again, just blistering with rage. Um, he just screams, well, tell him he's got to do a job in defence. And I think he <laughs> might, I th- I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if he was referring to Gower staying on or Preston Campbell playing halfback or whatever it was, uh, but he really bellows. Um, and the other highlight, uh, just to give you an idea of the quality of the game, uh, at, just before half time, Penrith 19 completions from 21, the Roosters 21 from 23, in what is by that stage fairly driving rain. Um, and an incredible, the quality didn't suffer for it. They weren't tucking it under one arm. They were playing good, aggressive yep. football and they were getting thumped by each other in tackles that should have caused more mistakes. It was really one of the highest quality games we've watched in terms of actual yep. quality in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And Sturlo, uh, he always gives you something. Uh, calls for the field goal for 7 0. Can I say it's not his worst? Not his worst shout. No, they end up we'll have to do a list if we're going to do his worst. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't get up there. They end up turning the ball over before they get the chance to do it. But uh, I was up for it. I love a 7 0. Absolutely. Then you get Gus calling that they're gone too early. They're sitting yeah. at the end of the point scoring. <laughs> yeah, declared the innings close. But yeah. as it is, uh, they don't kick a field goal. They turn the ball over and they go into halftime six nil. Mm-hmm. I've got I made some notes at halftime. I was pretty. I was got a bit. I got a bit wound up watching this, um, mm. which might be borne out by the three lines of written text I've got here. Mm. Cracking game, tough, hard, plenty of incident. Penrith taking risks, East bashing away. Really high quality of play. I love some of the heads you see outside dressing sheds, um, <laughs> which. <laughs> Which is unrelated to the quality of the game. But you know when they come back from half time or as they're walking mm. out on grand final day, when they show the full tunnel mm. and you see them walk out of the dressing room, you just always see some bloke, some really busted looking bloke standing outside the dressing room with a clipboard. 
Yeah, the yeah. old white dudes with red faces and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. With like some kind yeah. of really unfashionable jacket or something on. It was just good yep. to see. Yep. Um, nah, it is. Would you say going in at half time that if knowing everything you know at the time, like the the way the intensity of East defence, the um their record as a team and all that sort of stuff. Do you reckon it'd be fair to say you'd probably have been on them still? As yeah. much as Penrith got through the early storm, you would have thought the ah, the champions, they're close enough here. They're only six back. They're going to bash away and they're going to get them. But that would be probably yep. the narrative that you'd, you'd I'd have been, want to go with. I'd have been on them at half time, mm. and I probably would have thought they were more or less unbackable uh, with about after about 15 minutes of the second half. Yep. I've got a note here that says with 20 to go, you get the sense they're about to run over the top. And yep, they just great the, credit the, as we this, go through. They just don't, yeah. The game is won in the, between the 50th and 60th minute, as far as I'm concerned, or the, mm. between the 50th and 65th minute. Um, I and, think that's fair. Yeah, yeah they, but w- what happens after half time, of course, is that Penrith come back on and, Mar- and John Lang does something very funny. He, they come back from half time, having bashed and scraped mm. to get 6 0 in front. And all four of his bench players start the second half. And they're all young guys, right? Like Ben Ross is 23. Mm. Um, uh, Waterhouse, I think, is 22. Uh, Swain's 21. Uh, who's the other one? Rodney's 20. And he leaves them all out on the field to start the second half. So his main, so he's starting front rowers. And I think Pulitura and Nullabau are all on the bench mm. to start the second half. Um, and then Luke Swain in the first set of the 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 second half is horribly knocked out. It's as bad as I've ever seen. Stumbling, can't get up, staggering around, gets up and plays on, which would never... Four failed attempts. Four failed attempts to get up. Like, the, as yeah. in when you're on the ground trying to get up and you fall back down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fall, fall, falls back down four times. Um, on the replay, you can see his head slams the deck really hard. Oh. It's one of those ones where your head, you know, like the yeah. whiplash head into the ground. And then as he's laying on the ground, after having it smashed into the ground, Jason Kalis falls on him. Yeah. Um, which, if you've just been concussed, you really don't need Jason Kalis um, falling on you at all. Yeah. Um, and he accidentally, I, I, there's a bit, bit of booing for the Penrith fans, but I do believe accidentally Jason oh, Kalis yeah. does then sort of kick him in the head as well, getting oh, up. Oh, it's terrible. But it's, um, it's a part of the way the game was played is that you didn't pause the game for concussion. So he's laying motherless in the play the ball and Kalis isn't really looking and gets up trying to get on with it and sort of kicks mm. him. Um, oh, and it's... he goes for about four goes, gets down, the whole game's stopped, the trainer's with him, he finally gets him up on go five. And then I just lost my head because all of a sudden I go, oh, that's awful, he'll have to go off. And they go, and then they just go, he's getting back in the line and Fatty just goes, ah, oh, he's a redhead, he'll, he'll make his tackles. Oh. <laughs> And Stella, Stella says, I don't mean to be mean-spirited, but they really should be running at him. <laughs> yeah, which they do, and he misses the tackle he by about a metre. Because he's he, not even he, close. Yeah. No, no, no. He comes up and misses the guy. That, look, he's it's, lost all his spatial awareness. He comes yeah. forward and doesn't lay a finger on the guy. And I, my other note on this, and I don't know if you caught this, but having seen this, so you're calling it one of the worst you've seen? Is that, yeah, that yeah it's, right, okay. it's right up there. So... At the end of the game, I watched it right to the end and they're sitting around doing the celebration and the team song. And bloody Swain has a novelty-sized bottle of champagne, the big novelty, oh, like God. the way when he went to go, and is swigging like the like the several, several litre giant, half the size of a human novelty champagne. And it's just swigging in it going, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. You, should be, you should be in hospital. In hospital for two weeks. Yeah, he, yeah. It's terrible. Put the novelty and bottle of grog down. <laughs> he finally goes, he, he stays on for 10 minutes yeah. um, and then comes comes back on later on in the last few minutes. Yeah. But yeah. by this, it's just, this is the period in which Penrith start to get the wobbles because Swain mm. gets knocked out, 
Gower has got a busted eye. They've got all they're starting. Mm. They've got. I think it's either might be Nullivar's off with a bit of an injury. He has to get a rub down mm. on the sideline. Yeah, and then he carried one in, and he was, I was sort of managing him through them. Yeah, game. so it's starting to get a bit fractious. They're losing. They've got a few players going down, mm. and then in the 48th minute, they withstand a lot of pressure. East really come at them on their line. They get through the set. East turn the ball over. They hoik it in. So they run out at the edge. They get tackled into touch. Hurl the ball to the ground. Reese Wester falls on it, and Penrith have withstood the pressure, except the ball comes spewing out. Mm. And Caleb, they go wide. They've got numbers. They've got them shot to pieces out wide. Instead, they go to Jason Kalis, takes a hit up, and <laughs> still nearly scores. Um, it's one of the best held-ups ever because he mm. like, looks for all money like he's going to score, ends up with his whole body over the line and doesn't get it down. And then off the next play, finally, they go wide to Christopher Dale Flannery. Uh, who turns it? In, who turns it inside to Shannon Hegarty, who finally slices through from about fifteen meters out to score. Fitzgibbon kicks the goal off the post, and you just—it it just feels like it's on. Yeah, it does. It was nice for the play by Flanner. He has a good game. He comes on, he does, does a lot yeah. of sparky things in attack. Um, he's one of those guys who didn't have much of a position. He used to come on and do stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I think at this point you're all over being on the roosters. It's interesting. You're right with Lang. So he does take everyone off and it has an effect here. But you wonder whether, you know, in, in another sense, you, 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 he sort of knew they were coming. And he sort of, I think he sort of had the impression that they'd done well enough that it was going to be a close game. And he needed these guys in the back 20. And Fittler was going to start running. And Wing was going to start coming. And their roosters were going to come home hard. He needed to have his yeah. got they, they needed him fresh. And he needed them on there. And he might have just thought to himself, how long can I get away for in the middle? We're up by six. How long can I have them on the field and still be in the game so that we're coming home <clears> with yep. all, all we've got? Um, which, you know, it doesn't work out. They, they win. It's sort of hard to know how well that works because Girdler's got to go off and we'll get to and Gow is struggling. So they might not have had the spark to really grab yeah. it, but they do. So you know what I mean? So it's like, That's you're it. right. He does cost them a bit here, but they sort of then do have those no. guys on for the last 20. You know, I don't like even a, really, I don't even really bag, I don't bag him for it. It's no, no, I don't mean he's a bagging, but it's, it's, it's usually very unusual. try and balance these things. So what you would yeah. usually do is try and have Martin Wang and a young guy on, then Clinton and a young guy. Like people generally try to, to, to mix it. And he sort of said, you know what, we're up 6-0. Um, how long can I have, how long can we stay in front or be tied or in the game while I'm spelling my best players, my best forwards? So I've got them when it comes time to get it done. Yeah, um, And depth was an issue. They were bringing on Flannery and, and Crocker was on the bench. So he went on, you know what I mean? Like they were bringing on guys yeah. of a pretty high level. They might have had Caddick on the bench as well, maybe started one or the other, but they, they had quite a few pretty experienced and hard players to bring into the team. And he sort of knew he needed a bit more out of his starting guys than they did probably. Yeah, that's right. This is the period from the 50th minute. Um, there are no points until the 66th minute. Mm. And, and this is the period where Penrith win the game. Absolutely. At, mm. at six all, the Roosters are coming and they're making ground with the ball and they're charging. They, but, and, and after the, immediately after the try, they really start hounding them. But Penrith mm. get an unexpected chance to score. Off minute, there's a kick. Preston Campbell, puts, Preston Campbell kicks, kicks really well in this game, but he puts mm. in a fairly ordinary kick to Minicello and he just drops it. He catches it, he goes shocker. to him on the full and he just spills it for no reason on about mm. the 20. And Penrith get two sets in a row and can't break them. And this feels like their chance, right? They've, the Roosters are coming for them and they unexpectedly get a break and they can't make anything of it. And on last tackle, it goes to Girdler who kicks into legs and Fittler picks it up 
and pops it to Todd Byrne, takes a bit of a risk to get the ball away through traffic to Todd Byrne, who's off down the sideline. And this is it. Like, just on the read of the game and having watched it again, and people talk, this is kind of hyperbole about these things, about tackles like this, but if Todd Byrne scores and they go 10-6, 12-6, it's very hard to see how Penrith come back. It's the, the demoralising effect of it. The, the, the role that the Roosters have, if Todd Byrne scores, they, they just probably win. It's one of those tries. The fact that they had the role, the fact that they were the premiers, the fact that they were the favourites, they had all these high-level players. Um, if they score here, and the fact that it's off Penrith, finally getting their chance, Penrith go down that end and are hammering to get in front and off their own sort of mistake, they're going to concede the 95-metre try. Yeah. If they score this, they probably win about 24-6. Not joking. Yeah. They probably yeah. win pretty comfortably. It's they, The whole game would have rode with them. Penrith would have really got down about that. Uh, it would have been a hard one to come back from. And, yeah, obviously, this is the Scott Sattler tackle. <laughs> I know it's picked up on it. I suspect yeah. if you've got this far in, you know what we're talking about. Um, Scott Sattler runs down the world's fastest winger. It's a lovely piece of work. All jokes aside about Todd Burney, it's a beautiful cover tackle. Um, I made quite an effort to watch him in this game, Sattler, and he yeah. was a beautiful tackler. He tackled low all the time. Um, he made a lot of good tackles in this game and a lot of covering tackles and a lot of showing up in the right spots. He was a guy who made a career out of that. It's a real, real credit to him. Like, he came through with the name of one of the most famous players ever. Um, his dad's literally larger than life. Like, you, you know, his dad will be dead for 100 years and they'll be talking about his dad, you know, like that's how big he is in the yeah. game, that South fans will talk about him forever. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to come through with. And, and, and whilst, you know, he's a good player, but like, he's sort of not at that level. Um, he's not a player that was going to play for Australia and, and, and have all these glorious moments himself. And he's carrying his dad's name. And I'm sure he wore a bit of that, you know, like he mm. come through playing for the Chargers and stuff. And, and... You know, he was honest as hell at working hard and all this stuff. And to have this moment is just awesome because he toiled away, he battled hard. He was at a club that didn't have a lot of wins for a long time. And he got his day, got his grand final. Um, it, it's a bit like Bill Peden getting his grand final. It's yeah, worker. it is. But, yeah. but, but it's a lot like that. But I, I just mm. think that Sattler carry a lot of pressure. Like to carry that name through this time in the game and with everything that comes with it, everyone going, oh, that's Sattler's son and watching him and expecting greatness. And he was yeah. more of a toiler than that. And to then come out and do something like that in a grand final where he probably covered looking to make that tackle 100 times in his career. He probably got on 100,000 loose balls, like all that intent to do mm. the right thing every time finally came off at a key moment. You know what I mean? There's probably a thousand loose balls he tried to get to or did get to a thousand cover tackles he attempted because he never gives up and never doesn't do that. He was in the right place to make a mo to have this moment because any, anyone could make that tackle if they do what he does and put the effort in, but not everyone does in rugby league. Not everyone is chasing around trying to make every last effort. Uh, James Graham's the guy I think of these days. You know, James Graham, when a winger makes a break and James Graham runs down the middle of the field to stop them running under the post and end up running 90 metres while they're yeah. on the sideline when he'll never catch them to make the kick harder. It's that sort of indescribable effort that no one else does that Sattler yeah. seemed to do a lot of in this game and in his career and it gets him this amazing moment, you know? Yeah, um, and I'll tell, and you, awesome. I'll, yeah, I'll tell awesome. you something about... I'll tell you something about Scott Sattler. I did a bit of research on his career... Mm. By age 25, so he gets to the mm. end of 1996, yeah. and he's 25, and he's played mm. 15 first-grade games. Yeah, yeah. So in, across three different... He play, he's played four different clubs. He's played for mm. the Seagulls. Mm. He's played one game for Easts. 
He's mm. played for the Crushers, and then he's ended up at the Chargers. And at 25, so halfway through his career, he's played 15 games in first grade. Um, and you, look, you might make the point that if Super League and the ARL don't split, he probably gets stuck in that position. There's a suggestion exactly. that if they don't desperately need players to fill 22 professional sides um, that don't have enough players, that you look at the Chargers team he was in, if we had one competition with 16, 17, 18 teams, he might not have played in any of them. That's it. Um, and, and, and that might have been his career, uh, you know, done. Well, that's exactly right, because he couldn't get a game. He, yeah. he, he didn't get it. He, he played... One game mm. for the Crushers in 1996. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there's every chance he disappears off the face of the earth, if not for Super League. He probably ends up, he might get a career yeah. in England or he might go, or he might end up playing bush footy. He, he just, mm. um, but instead, he, he then plays the full year for the Crushers in 97. And having played 15 first grade games across four fairly abject sides at 25 in 96, by 2003, he's played State of Origin. And he's made this incredible tackle in a grand final. And he ends up retiring the following year, plays a year for the Tigers, and ends up with 203 first-grade games and a state of origin and this incredible tackle that will be talked about till the end of football. He makes a tackle like this for the West Tigers earlier in the next season on um, Sunday football. He plays for the Tigers and someone makes a big break and he does exactly the same thing. Mm. And it's... a. Uh, and everyone went mad, but it, it, he did the same thing because he does the same thing all the time. Like it's, yeah, he probably it's, did it. He probably did it two hundred yeah. times in his career, and never got, it was never noticed. Never got noticed until he it's, did it in the grand the final. Yeah, 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 it's the effort. It was the same, and everyone went mad. But it's the effort of getting to these places all the time and throwing yourself around and doing the little things, and it's phenomenal. It, it's funny. Uh, I know in the Super League war, for example, you know, like Scott Fulton got a heap of money because Bob Fulton said it'd be a bad look if the Suns coach went to Super League and all this, and then Aaron Raper did very well out of it. Um, Tommy Radonikas' son got a contract and, and got some yeah. games and all this stuff. And the funny thing was that for some, whatever reason, Salah did miss out. And, you know, his dad did start the Gold Coast clubs. He's reasonably well connected, but he said he got bugger all. Like he got mm. offered bugger all to play in either comp. He got no real offers other than what you would have got before Super League, like the normal sort yeah. of pie in a coat. He's a bit of cash sort of deal. So he didn't get sort of anything out of that or coast on his name at, at all. He would have carried sort of the weight of everyone going, oh, yeah, yeah he must be all right, but never... Yeah, really never got that never got him anywhere and he had to really drag himself into having a career and it's uh wonderful because he's a real sort of panthers legend now and and so he should be yeah um the funny thing about that tackle and it's 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 magnificent but the funny thing about it is that two tackles later so penrith get the ball back he tackles him into touch yeah, two tackles later paul yeah. fatawira drops the ball yeah and 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 Easter on, they they still should score. They get the chance. They're back where to, they started. Yeah, they're back where they start. After all that, yeah. after that incredible tackle, East end up thirty out with a chance to score, um, and with it really boiling, Fitler yeah. kicks dead. He puts mm. it dead, um, yeah. and and blows um, the chance. Yeah, there's a couple of things like that. First, firstly, I the, can I just say that an overlooked thing in the in the Sattler tackle because of how good it is is how sort of clever fitless ball is off the oh, deck a to get this away the ball is lying on the ground off a kick on legs and fitler launches forward at it like a scrum half doing a um like a one of the dive passes at a scrum half. launches at it like belly sliding and then bats it sideways to burn in traffic yeah. he goes flying down the side it's a bloody beautiful piece of skill um 
And the other thing I was just going to say is there's one thing, it's funny sometimes when you go to different rules, realising that certain things mean something different. So in this game, every time Gower and Fittler kick it dead, I'm going, oh, you can't be doing that. Because I'm thinking seven tackle set. Like Mm. your reaction is that's a complete balls up. But it was a thing back then that mattered a hell of a lot less. It wasn't like they were trying to do it, but the magnitude of that error was a Mm. lot less. So people did do it more often. Because you're not when you're not giving away seven tackles, you were prepared to kick deeper in the in goal. Because you're like, well, the worst thing that happens is a twenty tap, and they get six tackles starting on their twenty instead from of them dropping. Start, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. from a set a start, game. it's not not the end of the world. So, whilst that one was a bad one because it robbed, they needed to cash in there. But over the game, Fitler does it five or six times, and Gower does it five or six times, and like every time your reaction watching is oh, and then you're like, yeah, actually this doesn't right. doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah it's that's right. Yeah, it, it is one that, like, it, it, imagine if the Scatler tackle had happened and then they'd scored off the next set anyway, you know? Like, it's kind of... It would have all be drowned, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, would, it, it wouldn't have won them the game, you know? Um, yeah. But, and then they come at them again. In the 58th minutes so or a few minutes later, there is a huge rolling set from the Roosters. They go about mm. 60, 70, 80 metres up the field just through mm. their six tackles. And Finch produces quite a good grubber into the in goal. It's a perfectly reasonable little grubber that looks like it's going to get him six tackles. And Wesser gets out. And Reese Wesser doesn't have many moments in this game because it's wet and it just isn't his sort of game. He doesn't. He makes a couple of half breaks but doesn't do that much yeah. for a guy who scored 25 tries and was the one of the players of the year. But he does this. The ball goes in and he has to go past about three or four with pace and power and a bit of step. And he gets out. He uh, he is so good, Reese Wesser. I love Reese Wesser. He's a funny shape, isn't he? He's sort of like lightning fast. He's quite round. Like it's this odd sort of shape, isn't he? Like a he doesn't look like a lot of other pe- people, does he? Like it, when you look at um, fullbacks and electric fullbacks and electric runners, he doesn't. He's just got a weird, unique shape that sort of not a lot of other people had. And he um he just moves like absolute. It's it's hard to describe. He's just lightning and and pace off the mark and change it change it fit and he gets out of the end goal and just hits the afterburners and goes to a pace not a lot of people have ever had yeah it's, it's, a big, um, it's yeah, another... he's very, very unique he's a unique looking player he's a unique style of player i, I loved him he had a very good career Reese Wesser. and this is it there's there's the sattler thing and then you've got the fitler grubber and then you've got wesser getting out um and it's just they've just they wouldn't escaped. blink, would they? They they didn't blink. All of this no. is all East could have won this a lot of times, and Penrith would not give them this game. They did not give them this game, and East were a side that bashed and beat you into giving them the game. They 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 made you yeah. roll over, and they just yeah. didn't. They did not roll over. And then with twenty to go, we've seen they've had a few injuries. They've had Swain go off, knocked out. They've got Paul Tour on the sideline. They've got Gower with the eye poke. Ryan Girdler limps off. He's busted. He's done his calf. Mm. Won't be back. Um, so he limps off. He didn't play. He only played 16 games this season. He missed a few. Um, and he Very end of his career. Yeah. yeah, he was right at the end. So he limps off. Uh, and they're, they're on tilt even more. They've got, I think Shane Rodney then has to go and play in the centres for the rest of the game. Um, yeah. And they're under enormous pressure. And Brett Finch just tries a really clunky kind of ball to Walker. Gets a bit too close. Doesn't quite get the angle right. And Walker drops it. Um, and the roosters start to blink because they they turn the drops his walker in the second half. I really does, enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, it yeah, was really quite funny. Enjoyed, really liked it. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing, and this might go to what happens next. But with with sixteen minutes to go, the roosters have used six of their twelve interchanges. Mm. So they've they've only used six. They haven't. So half of them unused. I think Penrith by that point had used eight or nine. Um, 
And then having withstood the pressure and withstood the pressure with the Roosters really coming at them, Scott Sattler puts a bomb up. They botched their last tackle and it ends up with Scott Sattler. Mm. He puts this bomb up. And for the second time in the game, Anthony Minichello drops it for no reason. He goes up far too early and mm. just duffs his Shocking. jump and it bounces yeah. off his chest. And all of a sudden, there's a chance. Mm. It's, um, yeah, Minicello drops a couple of balls in this game and I would suggest he had a pretty bad game. And I think, uh, I don't know if it's, the, it's something we need to tell people who listen to this too because they're all sort of fairly good, I think, if they listen to us for this long, have the right idea about rugby league. But it's something that people need to remember is we've watched like a lot of games now where legendary players actually have bad games. And Brad Fittler is very quiet in this game, for example. He's very quiet in the grand final. Minicello makes a lot of mistakes. There's this glorification of retired players sometimes where we get to now and, you know, uh, we watch some guy like a, you know, whoever it might be, a Kiri or a Cleary or someone coming through now and they have this off week or something or a bad semi and you'd be like, ah, oh, you know, like bloody hell didn't do this. You never, you see Darren Lockyer do that or bloody Andrew Johns or Brad Fittler do that. And like all these guys, great players of the games do have bad days on big games. Like they all lost yeah. origins. Uh, Minicello is, has a bad grand final. He's an all-time great fullback. He doesn't have a good game. And Fittler... No doesn't play well. He doesn't kick well in this game. He, he sort of looks dangerous, but he, he doesn't do anything for them. He doesn't get them anywhere. Um, yep. and, and I just think it's everyone needs to remember, I suppose, that like really great players have games where they don't... I wouldn't say Fittler plays badly. He just doesn't influence the outcome. He can't get anything yeah. going. And you go, well, he couldn't get it done today. And Minicello is one of the best they'll ever play fullback. And he, he keeps dropping the ball. And it's, you know, I, I guess that happens to a lot of people and it sort of needs to be remembered sometimes when people really heap a lot of stuff on the current players. I mean, like mm. Munster's considered a great now. A couple of years ago, he got binned twice in a grand final or whatever it was. Where he got sent in the sim bin mm. um, and, and penalised out of the game and really cost them the game. And at that, you know, these things are contextual. Minicello has no reason to drop these. He just duffs a couple on a really big day. That's a bad yeah. game. Yeah, that's it. He just drops it. It, it just yeah, happens. It's, just, it's a shocking catch. He's just totally off kilter. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, and whether it was because um, he dropped the earlier one or whatever it was. But, of course, hmm. the, the, the reason we talk about this is that, yep. um, that shortly after this, they get down. They, that, that puts them down there and puts them on the, the rooster's line. Hmm. And Luke Prittis looks up at a dummy half, throws a bit of a dummy, goes through Craig Fitzgibbon, of all people, and falls over, reaches out and puts the ball on the line. It's and incredibly thought, soft. I'll put to you that East did not concede a try that soft all season. No, and that's it, isn't it? You've got this hard yeah. game where nobody's giving anything mm. and you have to have really rare quality to break an opening. And then mm. of every, out of everything, Luke Prittis just kind of throws a bit of a dummy and goes over from dummy half. And it's the sort of yeah. thing that, that you like any time you go, oh, Jesus, that's a bit soft. And again, it goes to my point about they only use six interchanges, right? That means that mm. a lot of guys have been out there. Keeping in mind, one of those was to bring Finch on after 10 minutes. That means that a lot yeah, of their forwards yeah. have had really long stints on the field, 66 minutes for six changes in that era where you had 12. Um, yeah. You didn't see Craig Fitzgibbon didn't miss many, um, but he, he misses no. this one and, and through goes Prittis. And Campbell, Preston kicks the goal and it's 12-6. 
It's incredible because they just didn't blink. They, they, East had the better opportunity to score tries, in my opinion. You're at the point where Penrith have got one off a beautiful 50-metre break from the hooker where he's just seen it was on and took advantage. And the yeah. second one is a, is a barge over after they weathered this 15-minute storm, got up there and just got a soft one where it's just like Penrith just, just kept coming and coming and not going away. This isn't what they were known for this year. They were blowing oh, sides off the park. And they just got here and went, we're not going away, we're not going away, we're not going to blink. When a, Martin Lang come, is, is back on and Martin Lang was a real barometer for them. It's almost like the way he played his whole career, they played this day where he went, yeah. you can do what you want to me, but I'm going to keep running at you. And Penrith were going, you can bash us, you can come at us. And we're not, they just would not blink. And when they went, right, here's our chance. They just grabbed more of those than East did. I think they made mistakes and East got chances off that, but East, they just would not let East score a try off it. And with East, when East made their mistakes, they just couldn't keep Penrith out the way Penrith had done to them. But both sides were at this high quality. It was wet and they were tired. So you got these mistakes, but Penrith just defended them and East mm. weren't able to. That, that was the story of the game. It yeah, almost exclusively it. off could... Luke Prittis. And of, all, and of everything that, um, mm. yeah, after everything, it's, the pen, it's Penrith who get the try. Uh, and and mm. it's twelve six. That's it. And from the kickoff, oh my god, Martin Lang and Luke Rickardson reenact reenact the Paul Harrigan Mark Carroll hit. Is that unfair? Is there anything about that that's not as good and wild and oh. thunderous as the the Spud Chief incident of nineteen ninety five? Oh, not really, only that they're probably about ten kilos lighter. That's about it. They um, just slammed Rico. into. Yeah, oh, I just wrote Rico commits grievous bodily harm. It's unbelievable. Lang. Like the the he shoulder charges him. So, like all game when Martin Lang does his wind up and looks at you and runs, the Roosters just kept going. I'll have this. Morley missed him with about three stiff arms. Got him with about three others. So as soon as they saw, it, they just went. Someone's going to deck him. Someone's got to get him. He's going to run mm. like that. And and Rico sees it from 40 metres back, comes in and just absolutely monsters him with a shoulder charge that hits him so hard that he's. Martling ends up convulsing, like he's on, go, he gets up and is convulsing, like he's going to vomit in the backfield, gagging over and over. But Rico bounced off as well and bounces back oh. about five metres, takes about 10 seconds to get up. Th- these sort of collisions, even allowing for the shoulder charges being that, that you don't, people don't run no, that hard straight like into that. each other. They don't. It's, it's unbelievable. Just, it's just been, been sanitised probably rightfully to the point where I watch today and it's good, hard, tough football. Like I like it. I don't think it's soft at all, but when you watch this, they are not doing this to each other. No. now. It's, Absolutely it's, it's not. a savage hit. Um, and it's that's violence. What the, and it is, it's a mark of how what does he the, stay on the field. I got no idea how either of them start. Like, never mind. Like Rickardson comes bouncing off and ends yeah. up on it. He hits him so hard. He ends up flat on his back. Um, it's, and I don't really remember Luke Rickardson for this. I, like he was a good, hard, player and he made good tackles on it, but not hard hits like that he came up mm. crunched he did it in origin a bit I, I thought he still he was a good you know, i thought he was a good player he, he did hit guys not like week to week but he, he when he thought it was on he used to come and come out of the line in origins and stuff and try a shot uh, but yeah he but this Martin is what it's Lane like from just, here isn't it like this, this yeah. is what the roosters do like having him yeah. like Penrith go to 12-6 and the roosters dial it up again Okay, you're right. They don't go away. They just go, okay, we're going to still we'll, get you. We'll go even harder. Yeah. And yep. there are some brutal shots in the next few minutes where the it's just like the first 10 where they just come out. Morley is a colossus. Some of the shots he puts on players, particularly in this phase of the game, are unbelievable. Hmm. Um, and they get a chance a couple of minutes later. Flannery, of all people, puts a little grubber in. 
and Luke Lewis fumbles it on his own line, and Easts yeah. almost score. They um, uh, and then they get a scrum. They spread it to uh, Ryan Cross, dribbles it out the back to Walker, and the touchy calls knock on, um, and they lose that chance. So the, the Penrith give them a bit of an opening, and they can't score. Uh, and then Clinton knocks it on, and and they're down there again and nearly score. And Fitler, there's a moment with about seven or eight minutes to go where they're right on their line and Fitler gets the ball and he throws the step Yeah. for about the yeah. 58 millionth time in his career. And there's just a yeah. half second where you see the step coming and you go, oh, hang on. And they get mm. him. I think it's, it might even be sat like back on the inside who drags him down. Mm. Um, um, can I say that like, if, you know, if I had to sit down and watch something all day, like just watching like continuous loops of Brad Fitler's sidestep would be fairly high on my list. Like It's like poetry. Like it, there's not, like Benji's is just like tangled violent and so, like just demented like in a lot of ways yeah, like yeah. something like fiddler like when fiddler runs and he's moving that way to the side and then he just goes off the foot back it's like an action it's like it's art it's just it is, it's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. it is yeah um, wonderful and then they still nearly score like they they but it's yeah. finch again he gets the ball and kind of again clunks it up and gives it to kalos too flat at the line and kalos drops the ball and the penrith get away with it again Mm. Uh, Luke Swain inexplicably comes back on rather than going to hospital. Um, mm. Once your champagne, mate, he's winding up. And that's all in about five minutes. It's the 72nd minute when mm. Penrith get down the other end and mm. Craig Gower has the field goal charged down by Michael Crocker's head. Crocker knocked yeah. out cold by the ball, mm. charging it down. Wonderful charge, Jan. Aren't they hardies? Like, they didn't go away oh. ever. They just kept doing it. Like, they just kept coming. Like, that. even that, it's just... They were a wonderful side. I, I'd never and liked that, them, but looking back, they're a wonderful side. Mm. They had to do so much to win the game between the 50th and the 65th minute. Mm. And they have to do almost as much again in that little five minutes yep. after they score. Yeah. And finally, uh, they, they end up down the roosters' end of the field. And it is a, I always remember this try. And whenever I thought of this game, mm. I've always thought of this try. Um, they're setting up for another field goal. They're 10 metres out. It's fourth tackle. Everyone's barking, saying they need to take it before the fifth. They've just had one charge down. Gower and Preston are in position, and Luke Prittis goes the other way. Mm. Jumps down to the, jumps out to the left, dra- draws a few defenders in, and fires the most gorgeous spiral, twenty metre pass at to Luke Rooney. Chris Walker is ten yards in field, and he hits mm. Luke Rooney on the chest, and Rooney scores untouched and slides the full length of the in goal. To, win, to score yeah. in scoring yeah. the try. Um, again, Penrith Jr. scores the second try in a grand final. It's a beautiful bit of play. It's Prittis' okay. third. It's the third try that Prittis has either scored or created in the game. Um, it's just, a, it's, they're, they go off their heads. They know they've won and it's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful piece of play. As you said, um, Prittis is the man of the moment and sets up the play. Rooney, um, local junior finishes it untouched. Um, he goes like he leaves. You know the play um, really pulls the pants down of Chris Walker, who's so far infield he thinks he's back in Redfern at the contract he walked out on on Souths. You know, like the repudiating. You know, like the the villa. Like Chris Walker was a wanker at Brisbane. He signed for Souths, walked out on them to go to a glamour club. Nobody liked him. If you if you you didn't follow football at the time, Walker was a real 
the, yeah. the villain at that. It was like he was a real Cherry mug, Evans. wasn't he? He was a real yeah, mug. Yeah. yeah, he was a mug lair. Like he was he used to celebrate scoring tries and whoop it up. And he played for the Broncos, signed on big money for South, and walked out in the middle of the year and was like, I don't want to play for him anymore to go to East. And the rep he got off that was he was about as disliked as probably Cherry Evans was for about six months. There was a six months check where Cherry Evans backflipped on the Titans and everyone just thought he was the yeah. scum of the earth. So there's been a few, like, I can't think of another really good one. There's been another one like that where everyone just really, really off someone's. Um, uh, not really, not, not in the same way. No, not like no. that. Yeah, it was. No, he became like just public enemy number he just played, one. He, he just for persistently, doing that. he was A, a mug in his own mm. right, but be a mug who played for the most hated sides. Like he went, he yeah. almost consciously went from the most hated side when it was Brisbane to the most yeah. hated side when it was the Roosters. Um, but doing it via dicking like a real battler, like he'd gone yeah. to South to be their main player on huge money and just like left and wouldn't go to training and demanded to be released. And then he's playing grand finals and stuff. So yeah. like, nobody, like, you know, like I don't dislike him now, but at the time, like looking back, I remembered how much I was like, ah, oh, F you Walker. So seeing him sort <laughs> of like, Drop a few balls and get like run round by Rooney for the try was was quite thrilling. Um, it's a wonderful bit of footy. The thing with Prittis is that Prittis was a really good player. He'd won a comp for Brisbane already, and mm. yeah, he had a good career. He's one of those guys that probably would have played more. A lot of guys that were less good than Luke Prittis played more rap footy, but he sort of um, he had this weird way that he came on in an era where the selectors had a really meth idea for a little while there that you could play Andrew John's hooker. And then the reason they stopped doing that was Joey moved to sort of halfback again and Danny Baderas had come through. And Danny Baderas yeah. um, is one of sort of the, you know, really, until Cameron Smith came on, he was really considered like close to being the best ever in his position. And, and so it was, you know, there's always, as we've said before, there's always good players around, but, but Luke Prittis, there's been a lot of hookers that aren't as good as Luke Prittis that have played much more rep football and he played rep yeah. football and so he should have, but he got, Baderas was sort of like the captain for New South Wales for a long time. He, he was, you know, he captained Australia for a while. There was sort of a guy there he couldn't get past that at other times, you know, he'd have got a lot more games, even playing in the Farrah Ennis era. There would have been times he got around them. If he played five years earlier, we were slotting Tuvi in to play hooker out of yeah. position. Like if you go around five years early or back, he probably plays sort of 10 more origins. Yeah. Um, but, but what I want to say about him is good as a player as he was a good, tough, hard player. If you went, this is going to be close. This is going to be a tight, real arm wrestle with the roosters. They're not going to give you an inch and someone is just going to come up with moments of brilliance out of the spine. Like someone's going to have to spark them and just make the plays that win them the game. Would you have said it was Wesser, Campbell, Gower or, or Pritters? Good as that's a player it, as he was. Yeah, you think it was going to be the guy to just grab the game, you know, it's it's going to be close. Someone's just going to have to do something like, you know, your Benji or your Kalen Pong or your Johnson. Someone, you know what I mean? Like someone's going to have to bring the magic out. This guy that's going to break it open with yep. brilliance. And then you wouldn't go, have, you which wouldn't one have is in, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't necessarily have thought that it was going to be Luke Prittis who, who yeah. had a hand in every try. And yeah. like yeah. all of them are, there's, there's no, there's nobody else involved in any of them. They're all out of dummy no. half. He carves, no. carves them None open them up the gower. middle. Goes over from dummy half and then jumps out on his own and fizzes a ball to put someone over yep, untouched. Yep. Nobody else That's right. is involved in any of the tries. No, no, no. Um, no it's Campbell, a stunning. No Gower, no Wesser. Yeah. It's a stunning performance. He makes quite a few breaks in the first half as well before all of this. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, if you it's the clearest going... Churchill, it's the clearest Churchill medal ever. Yeah, that's wonderful. He's, yeah, there's not even a conversation to be had. But yeah, it's it's it it's just when you look at it, you're going. It's going to be close. Who's going to crack it open? You just, mm. you go, all right, well, you know, 
if it's going to be 12, 6, 18, 6, well, you know, Wesser might just break in, you know, they're going to have to defend well and Wesser might just break in the backfield off a, off something, or, you know, like Gower might just put someone yep. over Preston, you know, Preston was um, made to crack open a tight yeah. game with something just off the cuff. These are the guys you go, who's going to create three things, you know, and we won't win without them. And someone's got to come up with three things, which guy, it wouldn't be pretty, you're not picking. No, that's right. Years. That wasn't, and you know, that's, that is just about it. And they, they go 18-6 with, what, two minutes to go mm. or four, five minutes to go. Uh, and it's just about it. The Roosters still come mm. hard and there are some good collisions and all this sort of stuff. But there's one highlight it's left over. in this mm. game. It's almost over, but there's one highlight left to be had. Uh, and it is the first of two Paul Fatawira grand final junk time breaks. Mm. He did this yeah. in 2005. He makes a wild break at the end when the game's over, um, which ends up being a try. Uh, right off the next play. In this instance, he makes a break. Penrith go wide from halfway. Good bit of play. And they put Paul Fatawira away down the wing with two minutes to go in the grand final up by 12. And he kind of <laughs> gets the lolly legs, holds the ball up, looking both ways, holding it in front. He draws defenders and attackers in various directions. And then inexplicably... <laughs> Just hurls it over his shoulder to no one. Yeah, no one. At no all, one runs infield and throws it back to where the winger, he thinks the winger is, but the winger's not there, just over his shoulder into space, vacant space. It's incredible. No one within 10 metres of the ball. It's a on stunning, any it is a stunning mm. grand final play. Mm. Um, and I couldn't go had, without had mentioning it. Had to go for it. it. Yeah, had mm. to go for it. You've got to back yourself in those moments. Um, yeah. just, the end of this game is, I don't think, there have been many more ecstatic celebrations of a grand final win. I can't remember many. Mm. John Lang is up on the fence embracing his family. Um, mm. He, I mean, he had a lot of near misses to get to this game. He'd had... I mean, I think the family's just asking if Martin's alive. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I think at this point, him. you'd sort of just yeah. be happy to see if Martin could get off the field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Martin breathing. <laughs> but, like, yeah. th- there is all Don't this... let him play again, John. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough yeah. now. Yeah. But, but that is, like... Um, He's had a lot, like he's, he's lost a grand final in Super League with Cronulla. They've been to a lot of preliminary finals, got knocked out. There's like, a lot of people had said that he couldn't win one at Cronulla. He, he was booted from Cronulla because they didn't think he yep. could win. He ends up at Penrith and ends up jagging one in a really classic game. Um, yep. Brandy Alexander's out there on the field. Doesn't he look happy, Brandy? He, like he's beside himself yeah. happy. Like it's not yeah. just, yeah. he's thrilled. Like he's obviously ecstatic. Mm. Um, the only comparable one to that's ET with the Sharks finally. Yeah. It's like the, the, the club legend, it's not some club legend there for a photo or just enjoying it. He's like overwhelmed. Yeah, he's um, thrilled. Like his eyes are spinning. Yeah. 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 The players, and you've got all these young guys that they just, they can't, they sort of can't believe what's happened. They're just kind of screaming mm. at each other, we did it, we did it, all of this. It's, it's an enormous celebration. And so it was mm. really good to watch. I really enjoyed it. So do I. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a bit emotional watching. I thought it was fantastic. That sort of te- when you follow a team like Newcastle, it's the sort of thing you like. Like we're a, yeah, a you relate to team. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're an area. We like we follow a team that doesn't always do that well, and we we're an area. Like the whole area gets behind our team, um, and we like local juniors coming through, and we like them to come through the night system. And Penrith are a lot like that. They 
they you know their best sides mm. like ours have been when they're they've had more of good sides than we've had but same principle is they get a lot of guys through their junior system who come from Penrith who play for Penrith as a family feel to it you had the Alexanders you know in, in the 90s um, playing you have the you know the father-son coaching now and then all the juniors coming through at once and, and you have it now with the, the Cleary's coming through and all the, the others it, it's got a nice feel when they're the team doing well and, and coming over the top I, I, I like it and you can identify with it and it's one of the things I like about about footy uh, you know yes yeah. it's, it's just nice it's um luke rudy gives like one of the funniest interviews because he's got oh, nothing yeah. to say <laughs> they're trying to interview him and he just goes oh yeah i don't know eh? and they're like oh so what are you thinking during the week did you imagine scoring two tries oh yeah no nah, i don't know eh? it was uh i was nervous um but not nervous today and yeah it was good those people to yeah. say not because but just like no. it's pretty hard to no, no, no. It's, it's not bad. It's just funny because it's just dead air. It's so yeah. funny. It's nothing and, about it. It's like, um, yeah, it's it's a bit like that, even with the speeches and stuff. You, can, you watch them and you just go, why do, they, like, why do they give a platform for the footballers to speak? Yeah. They should be much better just watching them celebrate. Well, they, that's about right. They also, um, they they give a platform for the players. Brad Fittler gives a very kind of upset but gracious kind of speech about yeah. about Penrith and congratulating them and all this and how good they were. Uh, Luke Prittis, probably the clearest Churchill medal winner ever. Um, I did say that a little while ago about Cliffy Lyons uh, in 87, but I suspect that Prittis mm. is possibly even clearer. It's a, co- it's a coin toss. Oh, if um, someone else had got this, there would have had to be some sort of investigation into the gambling. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's like just you no, couldn't there's say no oh, case. of opinion. Oh, that's not, that's not who I'd have said, but, you know, no. this was... Like, it, it, like, yeah, no, like no one on the field. Yeah, so. um, he gives uh, he gives our Lord and Saviour Joyce Churchill a kiss on the cheek, which was a nice touch. Mm. Uh, Looking good, Joyce. Yeah. Oh, she always looks well, Joyce. Um, mm. I hope to see her in a couple of weeks at Grand Final Day. I hope she turns out on uh, mm. on on Grand Final Day again this year. It's always it's one of my favourite mm. moments of the football mm. season. The the appearance of Joyce Churchill, well, as you well know. You'd hope, well, you would you'd hope you'd like to see Billy Army kick out, give her a kiss. Well, exactly, exactly. Mm. Who, as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, whoever wins the Churchill, whoever it is, she always looks happy for them, and that's yeah, what well, I love about happy her. Happy for Billy. She's Army. always. It doesn't matter who yeah. it is. She's always pleased, yeah. and she always gives them the same warm congratulations to everybody. Mm. Um, they Prince gets up to to speak. He begins his 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 speech with a high pitched woo. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? yeah, he ends it with the same woo, but after saying, "Let's all get out of Penrith and let's get real." Yeah, um, yeah. which <laughs> paints a picture, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, it does. And and that's that's it. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And, and I don't know the thing about this Penrith side and the thing about the celebrations. There's a lot of those blokes, and it, it's oddly similar to '91 in that mm. they were a young, exciting team in '91, and they would have been expecting that this was the start, like that they'd won mm. the grand final, but they all had much more ahead. And yeah. They would, yeah. And this Penrith side probably did felt the same way. I just want to run you through the age of some of the players. Mm. Um, Clinton is 21. Nullivar is 25. Gower, the captain is only 25 mm. at this point. Luke Lewis, mm. of course, is 20. He's got about 300 games ahead of him. Mm. Uh, Prittis is 26. So he's not even that old. Frank Pritchard doesn't even play in this game, but he's 19. Um, Paul Atua is 24. Shane Rodden is 20. Rooney's 20. Ben Ross is 23. Swain's 21. Steve Turner doesn't play in this game. He ends up playing State of Origin. He's 18. Trent Waterhouse is 22. Reese West is 24. They, 
they just you would have expected and they would have expected that this was the start and that they were on their way like that this was going to be a long-term team that achieved a lot and that they would stick together and they'd probably they'd be a real chance of winning it again in a few years whether it was next year or sometime soon that this was going to be a side that could be good for a long time and and it and and it didn't quite work out that way you know by they, they finish fourth the next year um and go out in the preliminary final and that's fair enough that's not a bad year but um, within a couple of years, they're, they're not making the semis anymore. They miss out. They come 10th in 05, 12th in 06. They win the spoon in 2007. And, and they don't make the finals again until 2010. And by that stage, all these guys are finished. Um, it, it, it's just good that they... this They didn't probably know it at the time, but this was probably their one go. You know? Yeah, yeah. And they, got, and, yeah, they all, right. and, and all of them, whatever mm. else they did in their careers... They all absolutely nailed this. They they got it absolutely mm. right on this day, which was their one day. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's uh, I'm probably not. I mean, some of, we, we have some Penrith listeners, and I'd love to hear from them if they've got some thoughts on what what didn't work out. You know, um, obviously the Gower got in, in some trouble at various points, but they, they kept bringing good kids on, and they kept yeah. having them. But for whatever reason, they didn't stay up, um, and they didn't. It didn't become a dynasty. But they, you're right. They got this day, and they got it absolutely right on the day where they nailed everything, and they had their their moment, and and everyone would have been so happy at that point. They, you know, they didn't they didn't duff it the next year. They went back to a prelim and got beaten by mm. one of the best sides that I've seen, <laughs> yeah. you know, Canter- Canterbury. And, and yeah, like from there, everyone's young. There should have been more goes and for whatever reason there wasn't, but it doesn't take away from what they did this day, which was incredibly outstanding. They beat one of the best club sides of the era um, yep. and one of the best club sides there's ever been. And they beat them um, fair and square. I, I've heard Brett Finch talk a little while ago about how, you know, you hear this sort of nonsense where people try and justify things by just making up reasons. And he talked about how up they were for the Bulldogs the week before, like they had to get the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs had been kicked out. And there was talk that the Roosters won a fake comp because Canterbury were out and everything. And they were all up and they battled hard and they'd come in a bit flat to this. And I just think that's a load of shit. It's typical of like the way Brett Finch is. He's an excuse maker and he always has been. And it's sort of, um, they weren't like that. At all. Didn't like, like that, it, it didn't look like it. It didn't look like it from the it's kickoff. Just, it's just bullshit. It's just what happens is that people try and make up when stuff happens. You make up a reason. So you know, when the top four this week's a great example. So let's say um, if the roosters, so let's say if Penrith win this week against the roosters in this season and get a week off. If they then lose the prelim, people say they weren't battle hardened and they lost their rhythm with a week off. If they go to that week and beat someone who's played two games in a row, they'll say that team was too tired from the two yeah, games from the two and the games, were yeah. fresh. So what you do is you make up things after the event. So the Roosters lost a game that you would have, they would have thought they should have won. So why mm. is it, oh, well, when you look at it, we really put so much into last week, as if other teams don't put a lot into prelims. Yeah. Um, and, oh, we put so much in, we come flat. And it's a load of shit. They, they played really well, East. They were close to their best. They had some handling errors, but it was raining. Um, and, you know, Fittler was quiet, but it was raining, and Penrith Penrith are a reason they were quiet with the ball. You know, Penrith no, defended just, them well. They, um, they played sides. hard, aggressive. They were really on their game. They played one of the best club sides of the era in the Roosters who were on, who did give at least 95% of as good as they can do. They were on in hard conditions and came at them, and they stood up to it, didn't go away, and they just beat them fair and square. Yeah, they the just day. lost. They just yeah, lost. They beat them fair they and did. square on the day. That's what, just what happened, looked- and Penrith won, you know? Both sides had about the same amount of chances at each other's line, and Luke Prittis broke the broke East open three times, and East yep. couldn't do the same back. They, they, that's yep. it. That's that's yep. the 
the whole thing. Um, the final thing I want to mention, uh, actually, here's a quiz question for you, Gazzy. We're talking about people mm. who went on. I wanted to mention Luke Swain and Shane Rodney. Uh, Luke Swain, having got wildly concussed in this game, went on to play 78 mm. games for Penrith and 34 for the Gold Coast and 58 for Salford. My question to you is Shane Rodney, which grand final did Shane Rodney go on to play in and for whom? Oh, that's a good question because I don't, I don't know why I don't know that. Mm. Um, I've got no idea. Don't know. Shane Rodney won a premiership again in 2011 playing off the bench for Manly against the Warriors. <laughs> he did too. Yep, I've totally forgotten that. That's yep. wonderful. So he it? ended up... So having did, um, uh, did Nullabau win one at Manly? And was it that uh, I suspect he probably did. Yeah, I didn't look into that, but you're probably right. Yeah, he would have done. I think he was in I, that side. Let's have a look. He played for Manly in grand final. Yeah. Oh, well, if he played for him in a grand final, it must have I'm been I'm pretty sure. One. 90% yeah. sure. Yeah, he was in the side in 2011. Yep. There you go. Values. Yeah, well, so there were two people who ended up in that Manly side. Tony for a tour. We were at the Air Bears back. Well, that's a, what a wonderful idea. He yeah. played front row in the grand final of all things, Joe Nullivan. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, he became a bad in the middle for Manly. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, that, that's uh, great. I don't know if he would have been the one I would have pegged to go on. It's good that if you said who goes on to win more, you would have said Rodney and um, Paul Fettawira. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the lineup. Joe Nullivan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, like bloody yeah. Gower, Prittis, and these guys. And you go, no, no, these are the ones that are going to get it done. There's the ones you the want. Ones with the big yeah. futures. I suppose Lewis does as well, you know, but just yeah. funny. Um, but not in the position that he played in in this game or anything like no, it. Yeah. No. Um, it's funny, isn't it? But I, I want to mention one more thing on this. I know you've got mm. something you want to talk about, but I just had to mention mm. the fact that the oh, – I don't know if you caught this on the coverage, um, mm. but at the just before they go to the break after the trophy presentation, Rabs says, and don't forget, we've got plenty more to come, but after the, after the game or after the coverage ends, up next – Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not going to bed, are you? No, you're up till midnight once you're in for a penny, in for a pound on that one. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, you wanted to talk, of course, about the great Craig Gower. I do, I do. Now, I'm not armed with statistics this week because Craig Gower is a vibe player. Craig Gower had a good career. He played for New South Wales and Australia and all this. He's not a guy I'm going to wow you with statistics with. But I want mm. to talk about him because I think I, I'm incredibly fond of him and I'll talk about why. First off, Craig Gower, I love Craig Gower. Um, I think to describe him as a player... I, I think of him, and I just reinforce watching this, he's the modern-day Tommy Rodonicus. This is the Tommy Rodonicus sort of halfback in the modern era of the game mm. without biting people's noses, um, which is to his own detriment, um, or biting players' noses at least. He, uh, he is as tough as nails. Um, we spoke about this. We spoke about him playing with his eyes shut. He... Um, he, as I said to you before, he, I watched him play a game just stone motherless, concussed and busted, score two tries to win a game and get man of the match for the Broncos. He tackles as well as any halfback um, I've ever seen play apart from Joey. And he's, he tackles as well as Joey, probably. He's just a, no other halfback I watch tackles like that. The way he gets in there and belts people, he he's just so hard. Like he runs tough lines when he digs in. Yeah. It, the, uh, the other two halfbacks who run like that are Johns and Mitchell Pierce, like the tough carry, like where they yeah. run, it's this yeah. robust carrying into traffic. They're not looking for the Cherry Evans wide space or a hole. They, they bang and go into you and try and power through you with their, their strength into the teeth of the forwards and stuff like that. They cop wax off the front rowers, digging in a line. Um, he leads every kick chase in this play. This, uh, he kicks the ball and makes the tackle on the fullback. I reckon 11, 
11 times in this game. Yeah. Um, like he just gets through and does all this. He's a rugged run of the ball. He was tough. I don't think I've seen any halfback apart from Andrew Johns go to hooker as much. Um, is that like he gets into dummy half to take run? Like he goes in the game and thinks something's on. He bangs the dummy half out of the way and gets in. Yep. He's just, he, he's, he, he's classy. I don't want to sell him shot because he's a classy player, but that's not what made him great. He was just so tough, so hard and so willing, willing to get himself in with that tough running game. He would kick and chase. He did every little thing right and had ability to go with it. And he's just the sort of player I love and that you take every day of the week. That If you've got yourself a team. So if you, had a team and you had a team of great players. So you just pick and you've picked out of a box and you got Tedesco, you got bloody, um, you know, Morley and Tim, but you pick all these great players out of a box and you've got to beat another great team. If you then have to pick your halfback out of the box by, by random number and you pulled one out. So it's got all these halfbacks in the box and you pulled out Craig Gower. You're not putting that back and taking your odds of getting a better one. Like if you look no. around and said, you've got all these players around you. This is what I've got. Am I happy with that? I'm not throwing that back on the going, oh, no, that won't get it done. I need to look for better. He was just... That's true. You'd have so much confidence in him. He's a guy... We unfortunately did end up with him at Newcastle 10 years after he played rugby league, playing hooker off the bench one yeah. time. We won't talk about that. But he's a guy Thanks I would have loved to have, loved to have play for us in his prime. Yeah, you know, if we could now. have Craig Gower now at 20 and go, you're going to get 10 years of what he gives. Um, you walk off every day knowing he gave his absolute best that he put in, that he did everything hard and... And, and, you know, you know, you just, I, I love players like that. There's a sort of player you can always get behind that gives all of that effort. I saw him, he won a state of origin where he tore his medial and stayed on, missed the rest of the series. He might have kicked a field goal, but don't quote me on it. But he played the game out on one leg and you looked at him and he was gone, but he just got that manic rugby league desire to keep going. He was a wonderful hooker, start of his career as well. I don't know if you remember him playing mm. much there. Yeah. He, he was a... I think he would have been probably an all... He's, an, well, he's a great halfback. He should be considered a great halfback. But he, I think he would have been one of the game's best ever hookers. I think everything that made Baderas good, Craig Gower had. Um, and yeah. when he played there, he showed that. He just played there less. I think if he had played his whole career there, he'd probably be very similarly considered to Danny Baderas. Um, and I don't say that lightly as a really manic Newcastle fan, but mm. everything Baderas did, Gower could do with a kicking. And I've got one quote here from, from, from Girdler, which I just think is important about Craig mm. Gower given last week on the radio. Um, so Girdler asked, was asked, you know, they started talking about, so Gower would have won the Dally M that year. He was three points in front and got man in the match in the last game and it was boycotted. So they said, what was it when he got, you know, he was the best player that year. What was different about Craig Gower? And this was only last week on air. And Girdler goes, nothing. And they said, oh, what do you mean? He goes, Craig Gower did this for 10 years. What changes everyone else around him? He said, the other players put in, we got other players were playing better and he got recognized for it. He did what he always did. But yeah. the other players were running the light, right lines, doing their jobs, and we were winning games because everyone else put in, and he finally got the recognition he deserved for it. He said he was always this good. This was nothing yeah. unusual. He played at an excellent level for all this time, but he didn't play for the Roosters for 10 years. He played for Penrith, which means yeah. there's, there's so less years. You have a couple of... That it, that you don't you get, so many, you yeah. get so many goes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So that's my, that's my take on Craig Gower. I think we'll leave it at that, Gazzy. Um I think we have to, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anywhere for us to go from here. Um, until next time, uh, we'll, we leave you as always uh, with a reminder that rugby league is the greatest game of all. Five tackles gone. Brilliant defence by the Sydney Roosters. And now it's from Prittis away to Girdler. It's come off the feet of the Roosters. Fiddler's gone after it. Then he scoops the ball away to Byrne. Byrne puts on a fend. Then he puts on a sprint. Sattler is chasing. Sattler is made.